This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sports reporters assemble! Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, you heard it, the sports reporters. We're back after a week away from this very podcast because as we started recording, or before we started recording, I illuminated to my good friends, Bob Silverman up there in New York of the Daily Beast and Andrew Hammond up there temporarily in the Northwest of the Detroit Free Press about academia. It turns out they don't just give you a degree for being woke. You actually have to do research. You have to spend a lot of time. And the semester, um, just studies show that the semester ends in like three weeks. And I've uh, got a lot lot to do. And uh, you can only do so much. And I had to step away for a couple of days to be at a good point in the semester to keep my grades good. Um, but yeah, so I'm back. This is the first one after a week away. And uh, got to say, it's weird to not be behind a microphone for a week at a time. I've just become so accustomed to just this being a part of my life. And uh, it uh, not having it for a day, I just feel weird. I twiddle my thumbs more more so than usual where I'm just like, what what, what am I doing? This is, this is not how this should work. I should have already done this at this point. It's just like one of the things I check off my daily planner and I am just ranting because guess what? I have not been in front of a microphone in a week. Um, Bob. Yeah, oh, Andrew, say, maybe yeah. you could Maybe you could shut the heck up because oh. you're talking to Yikes. I'm sick of hearing your goddamn voice. Oh my god. god! Other than that, Bob, how are we feeling today, buddy? I'm doing good. Doing good. Got the first uh, vax jab on Wednesday. Hey, so that was good. are you a Moderna or a Pfizer? I'm a I'm a Pfizer bro. Hell and, yeah! Yeah, I got it. It was very well run. It was at a facility at a college in Brooklyn, entirely run by uh, apparently the National Guard. Mm. They were. It was very efficient and. And a smooth, easy procedure. Um, and it was really comforting to see uh, the government do something well. That was, a, that was very much a comforting thing to me. To see a procedure that did not charge me a lot of money, that I was able to schedule with relative ease, and I felt uh, very well taken care of. I said, thank you, sir, a lot. It was really very nice. I'm not being sarcastic. It was like, that was... It was really very comforting to see all these people lined up, given the jab, and sent on their way. That was yeah. kind of awesome. That, that was kind of like what happened with me out here in Washington. Like, uh, you go out there, and yeah, I mean, I, we did a drive through. Um, so, you know, you basically just kind of. I know some people had to step out of their cars for a little bit, but yeah, it was. And everybody was just so grateful. And, like, it was good to see people come together just to return to normal. And there was like a sense of relief. And I'm sure you kind of felt that in the building as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really, you know, look, it's, you know, I, I'm not <laughs> in any way an anti-vaxxer. It is, vaccines are good and everyone should get one. Um, 
and uh, but you know there was little, it's a, it's an anxious thing to be given an unknown injection into your body, and everyone there was cognizant of that and remained entirely and was you know the the professionalism and the efficiency I think made the experience a lot easier for anyone who might have been harboring some concerns so yeah you know after the last year in particular and five years before that to see people able to do something for their fellow man in a way that was free from strife was incredibly it it, it warmed the cockles of my heart let me tell you it uh, did not warm the New York Post's heart because slutty summer is on the horizon, fellas. Is it? Yeah, that's what? what they had to post. Did y'all see that a couple days ago? No. Post, or no. They're already getting nervous about the vaccines and what it, what's going to look like. Like a lot of casual sex is probably going to take place. Well, this to summer. be fair, mm-hmm. to, 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 to uh, be fair, uh, they were talking about a post-vaccine baby boom. Mm. Uh, or not post-vaccine, but like post... Uh, this was like last year yeah it was like april of last year yeah it it was like well no it was also but it was like there's a post or there's going to be a lot of corona babies because couples are going to be home and all this and i'm just like oh good Mm -hmm. for good for them good good for them and but you know it's funny i've seen like maybe five or six people i know three close friends uh get uh, get pregnant and have babies. Like my best friend, uh, his wife is having a baby basically uh, any time the next two three weeks, and it's like holy crap, um, awesome. Yeah, so, that's yeah. good. It, I think I'll look. I won't be slutty though. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on! You know sure. me, Bob. You know I'm a slut. That's right. <laughs> if I, one thing they know about Andrew Hammond. Yeah, I was gonna say, how does he party. know, Bob? How do you know? <laughs> Uh, I, I I I looked at his Instagram posts. Mm. Stalker. There's they're very thirsty. Those posts. Oh, um, Andrew yeah. is a selfie king. He's got the ring mirror, he a uh, ring light, and uh, he 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 rocks the turtlenecks. I could see it. Chase, I'm a snack. Everybody knows this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think that would be God. There's like uh, there, I, I there was a report that came out actually that like young men. And young women are having in their twenties now, which includes you, Chase. I guess mm. are having. No, hold on, uh, hold on. I turned thirty on the eighteenth. So what is that? Exactly woo-hoo. a week from today? No. Oh, so uh, dude, welcome to your thirties. Your back's gonna immediately start hurting. My back already hurts. Like, I, oh, okay, I, I'm good. already there. Good for you. Yeah. Good. For um, you. That, that young people in their twenties and, and their late teens, you know, once they're legal and stuff, are having a lot less uh, nookie than previous generations. And so because I'm a well-read, uh, you know, a curious person, I've read both the, well, here are the financial stresses that might lead to less casual hooking up and the societal factors that might cause this. And then I read all the posts about how the entire, that the problem can be entirely pegged to flagging male testosterone rates. And, um, and uh, one was a little bit more credible than the other. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. I think it's time for a rebound. Time for everyone to like get wacky. I just want hugs. I want hugs from a different. I've had hugs from a total of six people in the last year, and and five were family members. So close physical contact 
not necessarily sexy time, but just like embracing a bro. That would be, that's what I'm looking forward to. That's going to be Yes. Amen. Yeah. Like watching a game with some bros. Oh, so you are coming down to Knoxville for a Tennessee football game this fall. (laughs) Man, look, if I can actually arrange the transportation, I will come and hang out and ball when it's safe. I think I have it'd no be good for you, Bob. I think you. This would be a great piece, like a diary, a running journal. I went to. I've been to one college football game. Mm-hmm. And really, <laughs> just one. One. I'll let you guys guess who played. Uh, I'm gonna go Ivy League. Okay. Columbia. No. Was Princeton. it Ivy League? It was Ivy League. Yeah, he's right. You went. Oh, you went to Harvard, Harvard Yale. Yale. I did go to Harvard Yale. Yes, yes I went to the Harvard Yale game. That's, That's actually one game one. I want to go to. That was, I, I don't remember. It was just like, whatever. It wasn't It wasn't uh, a particularly fun, rowdy experience, nor was it a bunch of guys in corduroy jackets with leather patches on their elbows or anything like that, um, stuffily smoking pipes and whatnot. It was just a game. It was entirely forgettable. But that's I, 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 I do want to see Harvard, Yale at the Yale Bowl, though. Like, that's like one of the. Like, that's I have a what stadium. I did. I went to the yeah. Yale Bowl. Yeah. yeah like, I want to. I, I have like a stadium bucket list that, like, I don't have written down, but basically it's like by memory. And I'm like, okay, I need to see that. I need to see Ooh, that. Oh, have you need, used the app Sports that. Passport? Um, I. So I used it before, like, that thing it is became clutch. an actual. I love app. that thing. I had like the face, like they had like an old Facebook app, you know, when it wasn't completely uh, corporately run and mm. I wasn't rigging elections. Um, yeah, so they had an app, or had like a little application on there, and I used that for like the longest time. And yeah, like uh, so I actually crossed off a lot uh, when I was working in the Big Twelve. Interesting. When did you work in the Big Twelve? When I was at KU and K State, I would do games and stuff. So interesting. Yeah. You know, oh, speaking of Andrew, what do you uh, what do you make in the new Kansas AD, the lowest paid uh, new AD in the the Big Twelve, former Northwestern you guy? You want to know why he's the lowest paid AD? Because they ain't got no money. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, they're broke as shit. Um, <laughs> no, but 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 uh, there's a lot of things that you need to do with this new AD at Kansas um, because you've got. The less you got, you got the less miles aftermath. You you've got Bill Self, who's basically coach for life uh, officially. Um, which that contract's amazing. What is it like? Every I, year he's there, like they add it to every five. Like there's automatic extensions that kick in yeah. after a certain amount of time. That's that's the yeah. life, right? Like that's what we all want. Like this is well, the all time great contract, Bob well, Daily Beast. It, it, you got to work this out. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like a lot of math. I don't want to do that. that but you know what? The, you know what the craziest thing about the contract is, though, is that Kansas they're embroiled in this huge, huge, huge deal with the NCAA, uh, and we've seen one coach basically kind of have to deal with the ramifications of it. Then you have another coach and Will Wade who might or might not be a, it feels like lsu is just looking for a reason to get rid of him but well, they restructured he, his contract didn't they were like if he does like they can fire him and not have to pay him a buyout for a cost like right. anything relating to what he got in trouble for this last time so like right. i think that's in the it, contract yeah and the funny thing is bill self yeah you can't get rid of me if if i basically bring this thing down the uh 
bring this thing down the crap hole. Um, you can't, you cannot get rid of me. Um, or, and you can't fire me. I was like, Oh wow. Uh, and, and you could tell a lot of the college basketball establishment guys were super pissed. Also, it was very, very funny. Mm. Bob, what do you make of the new AD? Are you excited for the future of Kansas athletics? Go, go Jayhawks. As I always yeah, say. that's, that's what I thought. Um, yeah. Rock chalk, Jayhawks. <laughs> I think is the, the same. You, you were you were close enough. It, it yeah. All right. Um, do we need to talk about the latest in Tiger Woods that he was speeding, um, going <sighs> double the speed limit, and now that he thought he was in Florida? <laughs> so, what? I'll let you guys feel that one. Like it's... what? So okay, when I first saw the accident. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is like, you know, it's of course all accidents are terrible no matter who gets in them. But my first thought was, oh God, please don't let him be on anything because, you know, he's battled these demons for so long. And uh, a friend of mine, because I was like, oh, I was like, what the heck is, you know, how, how did this happen? Because I was looking at the area and she pointed out to me and she said that like, you really have to drive very, very cautious through there because everything's hilly and there's really not many guardrails. And, and the ones that are there, like, it's just, it's a very kind of timid area. And you have to, you know, basically kind of treat it with care. And I'm just like, oh, God. And so, like, when I saw those reports, my first thought was, well, if you remember, like, a few weeks before, the, uh, I don't know if it was the sheriff's department or whoever said we aren't going to release our investigative report. Like we aren't going to release it. And then from there I was like, uh, well he was, he was intoxicated. Like there, like he, he had something in him and yeah, seeing that he was double the speed limit, and he was knocked unconscious and like just was very oh, confused geez. and like the wreck is brutal and like this is coming oh yeah a wreck like this but man like the fact that this was just weird coming out the details you're like oh these are never good when it's just not it just an open and shut case of like there this this is gonna get uncomfortable I feel like and it's it's just sad and I'm kind of concerned about the the more stuff that comes out the more I'm kind of concerned yeah yeah um. Bob, what did you make of Draymond Green's comments on women's sports <laughs> this week? Uh, I'm going to refer to the Onion article mm-hmm. in which <laughs> the Onion dunked all over Draymond by saying the way to achieve a lasting financial success is to hitch yourself to a world-class shooter. Um, and it's just like, uh, it was just... Like, there are a lot of reasons why women's sports doesn't earn as much as men's. Um, you know, all of it is, 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 it's just so boring. I don't, like, look, I have not been able to get into women's sports because I have too many other sports that I follow already, and I don't have the mental energy to add more at this point. It is hard enough to keep up with, like let's say three leagues on a regular basis and three to four teams specifically. That's a lot of work for me in addition to my job. And so 
adding an entire other league and maybe picking a favorite team or players. That's just not the kind of mental energy I have. But, like, all of it is wrapped up in so much dumb sexism. Like, yeah, of course women's sports could easily be as possible as men were it for it, not for the entire history of humanity, like, that stretched out before it. And there are things we can do to sell women's sports, to cover women's sports better, to promote women's sports better. And if were that the case, obviously people would watch some more. Um, and so, you know, look, Draymond occasionally has some bad takes. Um, I keep thinking of that photo that he took when he went on a promo tour with the freaking IDF. And there were all those shots. Do you guys remember this from five years I ago? I do remember that. Yeah, like there were just tons of shots of Draymond. Like, look... Aside from the fact that he managed to get himself roped into a promotional tour to promote the Israeli military, um, which I really don't think NBA or professional or amateur athletes should get roped into doing promotional tours for any armed forces on the planet. Um, there were the photographs were of him like smiling and grinning and posing with military hardware. And it was just incredibly tasteless and incredibly poor form um he also so said yeah. he's taken out of context and it's like no that's not what happened we there, I, like i watched no context the, man that like, there's <laughs> really none you fired off some heavy machinery and you appeared oh no to i'm not talking it. about that i'm talking about his latest comments oh like, his latest one <laughs> yeah and i was like well no the whole video is there and i watched the whole thing and i was like i don't think he knows what out of context means like i it was just one of those where i'm like that's not the it's, word it's, it's a good standard. it was in context it's a good standard excuse when people don't like some of the coverage they're yes. getting. You say, well, you know, look, say what you will about maybe Jordan Peterson is exactly like the Red <laughs> Skull, but you do need to watch a hundred hours of his YouTube videos before you can really make that determination. So the out of context line, uh, it rarely holds water. Usually when people are getting Let's roasted, do that as a group, guys, in our personal life. See if we can work in that was out of context for any uh, anything we were ever wrong about and just be like, yeah. oh, that was out of context. You took it out of context. And you're like, wait, yeah, what? Like, like, like when I thought Michael Sweetney was going to be an all-star power forward, I was taken <laughs> entirely out of context. For, for, when I, for when I compared Landry Fields to John Havlicek, you, you need to get context of the Jesus Christ. Christ. Hold on. To be fair, I was all in on the Jeremy Lin Landry Fields connection. Like I thought those two were gonna be great together. Landry Fields was like a he was a rebounder, good driver. I thought he was gonna be like a triple double machine. Yeah. In his first year average ten points, seven <laughs> rebounds, fifty percent from the field, playing ostensibly shooting guard. He was very good for about forty games. And someone and then, overreacted. I think he's a G League coach with the Spurs now. Is he? Oh, yeah, I think he's in one of those. I'm pretty sure. MSG MSG had a show that they were promoting his first year when they they draft in the second round in 2000 and extracted Landry Fields, who was a four year senior out of Stanford, and uh, beloved Syracuse guard Andy Routen. Yes. And evidently, at some point in Nick's training camp and in the beginning of the season, Andy and Landry struck up a bit of a friendship. So MSG had a TV show that I never actually managed to watch, um, but it was called The Andy and Landry Show. I think I remember hearing about that, yeah. Yeah, and I think they just sort of did things, like went to dinners and played video games and maybe talked on couches and stuff. I don't know. 
I did not actually. The the idea of, of uh, the Knicks in-house TV network promoting and creating a show about one promising rookie and an end-of-the-bench player because their names rhymed and seemed to like each other's company was not enough to get me to actually watch that. Um, granted, at the time, I didn't have cable. So just watching, I was watching games on an illegal live stream, so mm. it really would have required an extra effort for me like to watch Like a boss. Show. Yeah. This was back in the 2010s when, you know, look, if you don't mind an Eastern European bit of malware <laughs> creeping into your computer, you could have watched all kinds of games without too much. Andrew, any uh, any thoughts on the Draymond? Okay, so... Mm. That's Andy, the Andy and Landry. So to conclude, my thoughts mm-hmm. on Draymond Green, Andy and Landry show what the hey, right? Yeah. Uh, so Draymond, the issue with Draymond Green that I have is, I'm not saying that he's saying the quiet part out loud. He's not. He's there is a as somebody who has covered women's sports and, and multiple women's sports. There is this, I don't know, I don't want to say trepidation is the word, but you can tell that people are going to gear, and kind of like what Bob said, people are going to gear towards a proven product, a trusted product, a a product that they enjoy, not necessarily by default, but I guess you kind of can, in a way, say by default. Um, because it comes natural to them. And I, I think that the coverage of women's sports is is needed. It's absolutely needed. Um, and, and, and I think that there are there is an audience and there are there are ways that you can expand on it. but I think where, and kind of to Bob's point, there are things in women's sports that, you know, if you if you showcase the WNBA, awesome. The issue is, when the WNBA is playing, you've got early college football season. You've got early NFL. And so, as much as... TV exposure and as much as you can get them on linear television because oh guess what kids linear television actually still matters want to see look at the women's tournament this year high ratings across the board um I, I I think that that battle to get on television and not just be a social media you know thing that's still a battle that women's sports deals with. And so long story short, cause you know, I know you, you know, I like to drag things out. Uh, Draymond is completely wrong, but there are some truths there in, in the exposure of women's sports. I'm not co-signing it, you know, not whatsoever, but it is there and hopefully it improves. But Draymond just he's the wrong person to deliver that message if you're going to deliver a message it's also just being like you don't have to do it like it just do some 
research. You don't have to have a strong opinion on this. Just like take the time. Like he just, it was like one of those clearly like this is not something he spent a lot of time like thinking about. Like this oh, is no, clearly something not off the cuff. All. And like that's what drives me nuts. It's like that just, and then you have the people who are echoing that statement and they're like, see, Draymond said it. And it's like, ah, uh, now we're having to start this whole conversation over again. And it's like, because I do think Draymond's a smart dude. And I think if, like he's a really, really smart dude when you get like when you listen to his long form interviews and it's amazing like when you have people in that out of just like the press conference type thing and you just sit down with them and you talk to them like just how not just basketball IQ and he has one of the best basketball IQs of anyone in the game and you're just like oh just like you don't have to do this like here's this like if he and Megan Rapino had just like spent like an hour talking and him just asking questions and back and forth I'd be like okay now I get it but it's just like one of those off the cuff things where it's like oh now this is gonna get pulled now there's gonna be 30 seconds on this and now the people the bad people are going to be like see women's sports shouldn't exist and then you're like oh god now he's this and like I just yeah you you can see where it goes in social media now and like how it all just unfolds and it's super depressing and i i very much uh loathe it um it just it fucking sucks um but that uh, that is my strong um graduate school level perspective on this is that it fucking sucks and um you don't do it that's a and strong but, take i think you have to respect that yeah it's exactly fine. exactly um it's it's it is what it is um guys 17 game season we've got that coming down the pike um bob you and i talked about it last week um mm-hmm. The NFL draft stuff. Can I tell you guys my favorite subplot on like Twitter.com is a terrible place. Don't recommend going to Twitter.com. However, a lot of 49ers fans who follow me and listen to this podcast, <laughs> friend of the pod, Evan Sowards. My new favorite thing every day is seeing 49ers fans and shout out to Andy Lou, friend of the pod of Light Years podcast and everything going on with the Mac Jones versus Jesse Fields <laughs> stuff is delightful it is like i need mac jones oh, to be the pick at number three a, so much on twitter dropped a like actually they're trading up for kyle pitts because <laughs> kyle shanahan is light years ahead and he realizes kittle and pitts if you played them together would be unstoppable and they're not going to take any quarterback and that was that was good that was like throwing a rock into a hornet's nest and everyone went a little nuts for a while i fun. love it so much it's gonna be great I feel, I, well, I feel like if if the niners draft kyle pitts you will hear an audible just scream and horrific you, you'll just hear horrific and terrible noises from detroit michigan because yeah um yeah detroit's all in like lions fans are all in on on uh on kyle pitts uh Look, uh, I. Oh he's not lasting till seven. I can't see him last. Like, oh yeah. no, the Falcons might take him at four. I, yeah, I. Here's the thing about Mac Jones. <laughs> uh, okay, so Niners fans who weren't born before, who were born after 2002, um, that might be listening to this. Um, I want you to go to your Google machine, go to YouTube, dial in a quarterback named Ken Dorsey. Ooh. Uh, you. Yeah. Um, so basically, Mac Jones is pretty much like Dreamland Barbecue Ken Dorsey. Um, wow. 
And, wow. And, and, and here, here's my thing. And the reason I say this is, look who had, look, look, look who Mac Jones had to throw to. Like, when, when the fourth receiver is probably going to be another first rounder, okay, yeah, sure, okay, cool. Uh, your offensive line is an offensive line from God. Uh, your your defense is not going to put you in bad spots. I'm not saying that Mac Jones isn't worthy of being a first round pick. It kind of sounds like you're saying Mac Jones is not worthy of being a first. Well, round. Yeah, I think I think he'll go. I think he's good enough to go round one. But let's keep it a buck. Okay, look, you, he you was surrounded guys. by talent. He's basically Gino Toretta. You know, reincarnated. Like we're remembering a lot of University of Miami horror. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm. I'm I'm just saying. Like, 49ers fans, do you want Jimmy or do you want Ken Dorsey Southern Fried? Wow. Um. That's a little harsh. As college, as college football knowers, though, I have a question. Mm. It seems now that the Jets, just a team that I root for are locked in on drafting Zach Wilson. I have no actual tape-eating reasons for feeling this way, but my instinctive gut reaction, and this could just be lingering Jets, uh, you know, uh, pessimism, is that Zach Wilson is going to be a bust. Oh, no. Am I wrong? Yes. Okay. Zach Wilson, uh, I'm literally looking at my Zach Wilson uh, Jordan headband right now. I run in it and work out in it every day. I'm a Zach Wilson stan. Like, that dude is really? a warrior. Super accurate. Can move around in the pocket. Um, he won't be distracted I, I read by... some very sketchy, ad-heavy blogs that said he was a spoiled rich kid who nobody liked. And like in the movie Draft Day, no one wanted him to be oh. captain or invited him to their birthday party. So he's Josh himself. Rosen? So, 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 so he's Josh Rosen? That was that was I, I I'm telling you I read a blog I read <laughs> a blog a very very ad heavy sketchy blog that threw in some kind of bizarre far right talking points occasionally amongst its draft analysis I'm not going to name the blog uh, true mock draft heads will probably be able to pick out which one I'm talking about it is quite popular um, but. I don't know something about like Zach. It, I'm just like, uh, I, here's what I wanted the Jets to do. I wanted the Jets to take the super primo crazy asteroid package from the Niners that they gave to Miami and just take like fields at six. That was my dream scenario. Granted, I am not an NFL general manager. So Joe Douglas has been good. He's like the best GM y'all have had in a really long time. I like Douglas. He's doing good stuff. Yeah. Consider the competition. That's true. Like, yeah, the bar is hell. Cagnan, um, Idzik, Bradway, they've had some guys who have not been good at that job. Um, I don't know. Something about Zach Wilson scares. And then there was an article in SB Nation by James Tater, who, who is a smart and good uh, football blogger. And he also confirmed my Zach Wilson bust. Well, like someone's so, busting. Like that's the whole thing. Is like someone in this group. People are just. This is a crazy group where we're gonna have four straight, which has never happened before. Quarterbacks taken by. It seems very like because even if the Falcons 
don't take a quarterback at four like they're trading back like someone's going to give them a king's ransom to take number four if they're not going to take trey lance or um justin fields if they're there um i i just think this is one of the things we forget is that like the andy daltons the Derek cars like those are the ones who are still starting years and years down the line and they're the second third rounders like one of these groups like look at just the amount of turnover jared goff uh like Baker, we still, I mean, we'll see in two years where he's at Sam Darnold. Um, we just talk about it. It's like, oh, sure things. And I, that's what I love about draft season. It's just see, like, oh, I have the same. I, I, hate, I hate draft season. I do too. I don't like it. It's just like, we're talking about it. Like there are all these great things. And I'm like, I, I think oh, the way I we talk it. about Justin draft Fields is bullshit. Most of the times, like I've watched a lot of Justin Fields and I've watched a lot of Mac Jones. I think they're both very good. I think we undersell how good they both are in different ways. Like Mac Jones was making some plays. Like I can tell you from the Tennessee game, he had these like little, like just, I have no idea how he fit the ball in there. Like he is extremely accurate. He's extremely just quick. Like he, he has an arm. He's good. Like Mac Jones is legitimately good. He's not AJ McCarron. You're you're Joe Douglas. You Mm. are now probably about a hundred pounds heavier. <laughs> I think it's like 200. I'm like 135. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. He's a, he's a large man, mm-hmm. but are you taking Zach Wilson at two? Yes, absolutely. No question. Okay. All right. Well, that, that's comforting. I appreciate that. I also think Zach Wilson coming from BYU and everything, you know, he's not going to be Mark Sanchez. That dude is going to be the antithesis of Mark Sanchez. In so he, so, so, so wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You mean so not Danny, and so, no, he's so handsome. Danny Jones is going to be like the most entertaining quarterback in New York City. Do you know how low of a bar that is? <laughs> Danny Dimes. He's no, no, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna call somebody who is probably the most boring person in the NFL at this point, Danny Dimes. Heck no. But, He's uh, not boring. Kind of Hold ball, on. He fumbles the ball running forward on 50-yard yeah. runs. Danny Dimes is not boring. He fumbles I, more than any quarterback at this point in their career. I, of I swear to God. Sure. That was a delightful moment. When that was. That truly was. <laughs> um, no, but uh, so I, I want to go on a quick rant. Sorry. Um, I, this, needs to be said, this needs to be said about draft season. It's all complete bullshit. Uh, <laughs> we're sitting here throwing shit at a wall hoping that it sticks for you know basically since since we haven't had a combine to do it we're having to fabricate this bullcrap and we're having to create these narratives and these narratives really don't need to exist but they need to exist in the heads of people who just now looked at film on guys oh by the way there's 32 teams in the league you're telling me that after four or five years of looking at film on a player, no matter if he plays offensive tackle, cornerback, or kicker, you're telling me that I'm going to have Dan Orlovsky, you know, have the strongest evaluation of a guy. We're going to sit here and trust draft, quote unquote, draft picks who are all doing a terrible Mel Kiper impression. And saying, "Oh well, you know, this guy's body language. Yeah, I, re- I really don't like you know what he does." And it, well, no, shut up, just shut up. Can you I? Don't can know I, anything. Can... I don't know anything. So for the next, so from February to May, just shut up. Okay, Bobby. Can I? Can I offer a counterpoint to this? Um, I agree with everything you say. It's draft. Draft prognostication is based on absolutely nothing but i love it it's awesome 
I, I enjoy reading mock drafts. I enjoy reading gossip about mock drafts. I enjoy watching, you know, Mel Kiper and Todd McShay do their talking head thing. But it's it's absolutely stupid and pointless and, and invariably wrong. And I don't care. I love it. It's fun for me. I also I think like it. they make so much money off this and like these brands. Like this is something, this, this is like one of the understated parts of why the NFL is king and will always be king is not only that is it just a 12 years or 12 month sport, but like people are so invested in the draft and so invested in creating all these brand names before they even enter the league. Like the NBA doesn't have this. Like the MLB doesn't have this. No one knows who the fuck anyone is coming into an MLB draft. Same with NHL. Like aside from fantasy sports content, I think I I had, um, I can't say who and I can't say um, what site, but I had a, a senior person at a popular sports website say to me that like, yeah, the mock draft stuff, specifically mock NFL stuff, is a huge driver of content. Yep. Oh, it absolutely are, is. Because that there are there are plenty of uh, nitwits like me who enjoy this <laughs> stuff too. It's great. It's a great look. It, I think it's a massive problem that over the last, let's say, thirty years, um, sports leagues have taught fans to identify with general managers. Yes. And like, I can do this. Yeah. Because, like, look, there, there's no way you can watch any professional sport, man or woman, and credibly think you could keep up with them in any way, shape, or form. They might as well be from another planet. But every single one of them, every single person like me reading this stuff thinks, like, well, if I just get a half zip flip, half zip fleece, I too might make for a decent general manager. Like, I just need to, you know, get a McKinsey job and I'm halfway there. But yeah, it's it's playing into some very, 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 very uh, shallow vanities. And, and that's one of the reasons why I work. And I think for sports, that is a terrible long-term trend. But I still really dig reading mock, mock drafts and, and all that stuff. I also just like... Yeah. I don't know. I don't listen to those guys as much. I listen to Friend of the Pod, Austin Gale, and Mike Renner on Two for One for PFF. Like PFF stuff is good, and it's all just like oh, they go. Through I it. enjoy. They, they are not the the crappy mock draft that I was subtweeting earlier. They're, yeah, they're no, they're, they're awesome. Yeah. I I enjoy them because they're just they make it funny and just like the way it you. I like listening to other sports podcasts that make me feel dumber about the fact that I, <laughs> and, I like reading. I like reading. Post-draft grades because those are always 100 correct. Oh God! I, I, I like to read all of the grades mm-hmm. and see how my team did, and if they get a lot of good grades, that's clearly. You know what didn't get a good grade, Bob? What? Michael Conforto leading <laughs> in to a walk-off win. People were so mad. Even Keith Hernandez, your best friend, Keith Hernandez, not happy about it. This is how we'll wrap up today. Is Explain to me, like, not only are the Mets just the Mets, and they're always Mets in, Bob, but, like, what? what is this? What The leaning in, the game winner, like, no shame I'm in sorry. New York. I'm sorry. Like, all right, let's look at this the way. Mm-hmm. Technically, the correct call would have been that Michael Conforto would have been called out for leaning in and getting hit by the pitch. That is the correct call. No one is arguing with that was the correct call except for the Mets manager who sort of dodged the answer. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone's experienced the pain of dropped calls and internet outages, especially working remotely this last year. So here's the question. If you're the telco company, how do you help create better experiences for customers? Simple. ServiceNow Digital Workflows can help solve network problems faster and provide real-time status updates so customers aren't left in the dark. That's probably why ServiceNow Workflows have helped telco companies see an increase in customer satisfaction. But proactive customer communications only have to battle. With a single view of your back, middle, and front office operations, ServiceNow Workflows also eliminate silos, keeping teams more in sync and more productive. With our scalable services, companies assure a better experience for both customers and employees on a single platform, the Now platform. So how do you help provide a better network experience for customers? With ServiceNow for telecommunications to help streamline network operations. Whatever your business is facing, let's workflow it. ServiceNow. Do you really want to live in a world where the umps went to a replay and corrected the call? Or do you want to get like an, uh, a good five minutes of Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling just sort of sighing and groaning and grousing about what an injustice it was, even though the team there hired to cover law one because of this borked call? I'm sorry, I, I picked the latter 10 times out of 10. That was as, awesome. As, as somebody who is actually... Uh, done that and, and and actually been hit by a pitch uh to to end the game oh uh, yeah well no so mine, andrew the villain well so mine wasn't uh like i i didn't casually stick the elbow out uh like he like that and that might be like the most impressive thing about that is that he just kind of casually stuck the elbow out as He's his high playing. fastball was he yeah. claims he was not. That was his normal motion of yeah, duped by the, by the high curve or the high slider or whatever. Like, I would like it more if he was just like, no, why not? He didn't call it. We won the game. Well, well, so, and, and that was my thing. It was like, so when I got hit, mine was a bit more obvious. I got hit like right on the thigh. Uh, but it, the ball was coming in, so it kind of hit me like just... Um, just like to the inner thigh, like almost, uh, you know, just basically just hit that. And then I was like, oh, that hurt. But at the same time, I was like, oh, we won. And the the coach on the other team was arguing that I basically leaned into the pitch. And the umpire quickly, like, that's what killed me about watching that, is that the umpire was like, dude, what are you going to do? Like, the umpire is not going to go back. Like, for me... It was a bit more obvious that that pitch was coming in, and the umpire was like, "Dude, he hit him! Like, like he he was like he couldn't get out of the way in time. Like that was coming in, and yeah, no. So Conforto just you know casually sticking his elbow out was uh, was 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 a thing, and it was uh, quite hilarious. Uh, if you're gonna win that game, if you're gonna win that way, baseball's so weird. So the Mets are probably gonna lose like two or three games." you know, more than usual in a weird way this season. So, you know, baseball karma will come back. Look, I, I just want to say that, like, if only Michael Conforto were as willing to stick his arm out to get the vaccine, I think they would be in a much better place. Zinger! There we go! That's right, Conforto was a little vax hesitant. Mm. 
All right, guys. Well, we will leave it there. Um, our picks for the week. Bob, what is your pick? Book? Uh, what is it? Oh, a pick of a road watching thing. Um, I, I'm going to suggest uh, the story I wrote uh, for the Daily Beast, which came out uh, earlier this week, um, which is... Uh, if you if you look at my Twitter feed, you find it. If you search my name at the Daily Beast, you find it. It's about uh, it's about the 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 right wing freak out about the All Star Game, which is incredibly incredibly silly, and will be forgotten if not already within the next couple of days. But I wrote. About I do that. love conservatives moving Coke bottles around their offices. Um, That's true. That's very important. I love like, that. Yeah, um, and and really about just like the 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 performative outrage of, mm-hmm. of pretending to boycott products because um, they act in a way that's not entirely in lockstep with your politics for a hot minute. And I wrote about how, um, I, but it does include a photo of me and my high school wrestling team. Yes. So if nothing else, click on the article for some... For WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. Yes. For some shots of me in a singlet. So we go. really should have had a WrestleMania preview with uh, with Bob. Bob would have hung up. I haven't. Uh, no, I wouldn't have hung up. I just would have been confused mm-hmm. because it didn't involve like Rowdy Roddy Piper or Jimmy Snuka. So well, they're both, both dead. dead. Yeah. Well, so they could have. <laughs> I don't know. I love, man. I love how Chase and I were like, <laughs> yeah, they're 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 yeah, they're both dead. Um, you know, honestly, I would have just let you roll with it. You're like, oh yeah, is uh, is Dusty Rhodes in uh, in the ring this weekend? He sure is. Bob. Boy, you guys sure are giving sure me some is. hard times. Oh, that's a wonderful promo, by mm. the way. I just want everybody to know that. Hard times promos kicks ass. Everyone loves Google Andrew. that. Put that in your Google machine, kids. Yeah. Uh, so two things. Um, MLB season is starting. Um, mm. so please, I, I would say. <laughs> If you're gonna watch some fun baseball, don't just watch like, the Braves. Well, oh, that too. But like, just just enjoy the game and don't worry about the politics and and just just watch the game and enjoy it. Uh, and WrestleMania, yeah. WrestleMania, two night WrestleMania, uh, because you know the pandemic and everything. Also, uh, also a sport rife with some questionable. I politics. know, right? <laughs> um, holy crap, we're gonna have a Hulk Hogan. Post WrestleMania, when basically he kind of, sort of hasn't really apologized for that rant. Once again, <laughs> kids, go to your Google machine, look up Hulk Hogan rant. Yeah, um, but yeah, so uh, watch some baseball this weekend and uh, WrestleMania. All right, well, go do all that. You guys enjoy this weekend. Stay safe as we're all getting vaccinated up in here. Um, it's great looking, looking up, and uh, I will. Spend an inordinate amount of time uh, doing more, more and more schoolwork. It's great. I love it. I love being stuck indoors doing schoolwork. You haven't lost your shit yet. Clearly no. not. Not yet. Mm-hmm. Not yet. You're fine. You're doing great, man. I'm doing great because I, I got the summer off. So just I, I can see there the light at the end of the tunnel and just struggle and then we'll, we'll, we'll prosper it's, in the summer. Guys. It's going to be a hot chase summer. Oh, yes. I like it. Oh, Jesus hot Christ. That, that. Hot oh. Chase Summer. I like it. It has a nice ring to it. My girlfriend's going to hate listening to this part of this podcast, but it's great. Hot Chase Summer. Uh, hey, I, you know what? Hey, hey, hey. Uh, Chase's girlfriend, yeah. Mm. Um, 
Sorry, <laughs> a, a very a very real person mm-hmm. who is not fictional chases girlfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was actually kind of funny, Bob. Bob, you've made multiple <laughs> funnies today. I am proud of Thanks, you. Thanks, man. Thanks, buddy. Now you're gonna send me Willem Dafoe pics as a uh, as a no. That would be hey, rude. That's oh, a good. Line I will not cross. Good. Shall we end it there, Chase? Yeah, that's it. Goodbye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right the boys are back it's the atlanta sports guys because it's friday afternoon and it is a beautiful friday afternoon here in knoxville but down there in atlanta georgia garrett chapman and Max Markovich are here as they usually are. Can't say always are because Max is like driving around. Max is doing all <laughs> kinds of stuff. He's, uh, let me put this in quotes, buying a microphone for the podcast. Um, we'll, we'll see. Max, you've got, a, you've got a lot to live up to because we learned a lot about Will last week. I don't know if you listened to last week's pod, but he broke his jaw playing rugby in college. And it was, it was good. We learned all about each other and it, it was fun. Uh, that was a wild games. story. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't offer that. I can't offer that kind of excitement, but I can offer my takes and that's that's what I'm here for. You're here for the takes. He's just here to get takes off. He's not even here he's not even I like that you're admitting that you're off. not yeah. a team player in this podcast. I like that you're just like I'm here to push out my brand, I'm here to get my stuff off and then I'm out. And then I'm back to back to the links, back to my, my daily life. I don't this is my opening. This is my skip bayless moment. I like it. You're you're honest. <laughs> Team player, get in the mic. It'll happen. <laughs> yeah, you're just like the Trey Young of this podcast. Not concerned wow, with the wow. well-being of the team, getting everybody involved. Chase, I know you <laughs> might think that's an insult, but I mean, the other two on this podcast think that's kind of a compliment, you know? Yeah, that's, that's high order. <laughs> I just, this week, the discourse, I'm putting this in all caps, the discourse for the Atlanta Hawks and the Trey Young experience and everything has just been mind-numbing. I, I can't. It, it drives me nuts every week, but this week especially because... We should lead here with the ESPN list that went around and people were very, very mad online when other people have lists. Like people get really upset about lists. Um, You're not going to leave this, guys. It didn't phase me. Didn't care. Read it. And I was like, huh, disagree. Moving on with my life. Other people, though, grown people online. This is insane. They should be fired. Body Mart sucks. Like all this stuff. People just getting really, really upset. How do you not have Trey there? I will say. I'm curious to know where you would put Trey in this list because for me, there's only one player in that 20 who I think he is as of right now, March 20 or March. We're still April 9th. (laughs) uh, I don't know. Everything's the same April 9th that I would take over this player. And I think he's a better basketball player than De'Aaron Fox. Like I think Trey right now is better, more valuable. He's done more than De'Aaron Fox. Everyone else on that top 20 list. I'm like, no, I Trey's not better than them right now. Is that fair? Or do you guys have other names that you would put above him? Well, I mean, I'm looking at this list. I had to pull up the list one more time. And I'm, I'm just sitting here scrolling through it. LaMelo Ball, I mean, he's really good, very talented He's too player. high, but he deserves to be on that list. He's too he's high. at three? Yeah, too high. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's, that's kind of a bit of a recency bias. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, it's kind of hard to believe he's under the age of 25. Jason Tatum, very good player. Darren Fox, I mean, he's a little too high for me. Trey Young, I've, we've said this before. Ben, I mean, he's better than Ben Simmons. No. He's better than Ben Simmons. He's had no, a better season no. than Ben Simmons. What? No, come on. He's he's a giant. 
he's a, he's he's a lo- very large point guard, very good playmaker, but he's just completely ineffective with the with, with like shooting the basketball. He's a liability on offense if he's not passing the basketball. But he's passing the basketball. He's a point guard. He's yeah. in the chart. He's going to be first team All NBA. He's maybe the defensive player of the year. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a good defender. He's a good defender. But I mean, just as far as the offensive production, we can agree to disagree on that. I mean, Devin Booker, he's a stud. Bam at a boy. I mean, I'd still put Trey Young on this list just for the, the sheer playmaking ability. His is a flash. I mean, come on. He deserves to be on the list. That is something I agree with. It's just he should be above De'Aaron Fox. Like I'm okay on De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox is fine, but like Trey's done more with uh, like they're kind of in similar situations and they kind of remind me of each other in some some ways. But like SGA is a better player. Like SGA does more winning but, basketball and he's shooting the ball better now and he's he's an actual pass first guy and he's also just a great defender and he's just a smart team defender and he's just uh SGA's just awesome. I love love me some SGA and I've you know me. I want Trey back in Oklahoma, get SGA here, getting DeAndre Hunter involved, getting Cam involved, getting Kevin Herter involved, John Collins, Clint Capella. He's he's just trying to trigger us. He's just trying to trigger yeah. us. That's all it is. <laughs> Because I don't know how you can justify having John Morant over Trey Young. Oh, John Morant's an absolutely better. They're like twenty eight and twenty four right now. They're surging no. in the West. No, no. John Morant is no. huge. Like no, John he's Morant shooting twenty five percent from three, and he's still John Morant games. Like when he's 25%. out, five percent. Uh, I don't know. Would you <laughs> yeah, take? No. Would you rather have Trey Young than John Morant over the next ten years? Yeah, yeah, I would. If if they if they play the basketball that both are playing right now. I mean, John Morant, he is a very athletic, he's like a Russell Westbrook type where he's, he's just a, a freak of an athlete. He's going to make exciting plays and slam some dunks down. But, I mean, Trey Young is just a far more dynamic player. I mean, he could do a I, lot You can sell me on either stuff. way. I'm not glued to Jaw over Trey. I'm not glued to that. Hmm. I am glued I'm, to I'm SGA you, I'm glad you Trey. brought up. I'm glad you brought up Russell Westbrook because I think that's kind of where we're going with this, with this Trey thing in the next few years of um, not similar players at all, but with Russell Westbrook, his career kind of morphed into this discourse about what he's not and not what he is, um, and it and it just ended up being that way for his entire career. And it's a damn shame because he was an awesome basketball player, um, and still to an extent is. And I just worry like that's where we're headed with Trey, with like what he can't do and not watching what he can do, which is be really freaking good. Um, and, and you say like I, I know I get the argument about winning basketball, winning basketball players. The Hawks are winning, and they're winning not in spite. They're not. They're winning not in spite of Trey Young. They're winning because of Trey Young. He's the only cop in the lineup right now. He's the only. He's the. He's the only one who hasn't been out for an extended period of time this yeah. year, um, and has kept things afloat. And they are tied for the fourth seed in the East. Which coming into the year, you're absolutely taking that. Um, well, let's so, hold on. Let's be careful here, because if you look at the yeah, West, yeah, yeah, and you look at the top, you look at the East, and you look at the playoff picture there, where the Hawks would be if they were in the West right now. Like where, like that is something I think is important when we're looking at, especially guys like Jaw and Luca and things like that, because I think the Mavs are twenty eight and twenty two. The Hawks are what two games over five hundred right now? What is it? Uh, yeah, two, yeah, two, three games. games. Yeah, I think it's two. Games. They won four yeah. straight and they lost this, so they're right around there. Because um, if you look in the West, the eighth seed is twenty six and twenty three. So the Hawks would not be a playoff team in the West right now. The playoffs started today. Like they'd be in the playing game. Like it's different. So when you say four, like I've seen that a lot, and I'm like, ah, it's it's four. But like the East, uh, it, outside of the top three, it's it's a huge fall off from the top three yeah, to okay. to yeah. There. So yes, I I I I I'll concede to take that the four seed is deceiving. I still mm-hmm. think you would take their their record as it is. Um, especially when you add into the context of injuries yeah. um, and sort of the trajectory of the season. They fired their coach mid-year. 
I know we're going to get there, but, um, and this is kind of off topic. I hate lists. So I kind of wanted to avoid the list conversation, Mm -hmm. but I don't think, I I don't think there's a a real coherent argument right now for John Moran being better than Trey Young. Okay. I don't think Garrett's going to disagree with that. Well, I mean, but even, even just besides Trey Young, I'm, I'm, I'm just keep scrolling down this list. I mean, that I have Jalen Brown over Jamal Murray. Oh yeah. I don't know. No question. No, uh, Brandon Ingram up in the 11th spot. I mean, they, just the list in general, like you all said, I mean, lists are impossible. Someone's always going to be slighted yeah. every single time. And half the time, it's just like, just appreciate them for what they are. Yeah. And you don't always have to be ranked. It's like, it's LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. Who's the better basketball player? I mean, who gives a shit? <laughs> just <laughs> enjoy the basketball they're playing on the court and move on, you know? But and I don't I know. Enjoy it's Trey just this day and age of the media. The media loves that kind of crap. Well, I've also enjoyed yeah. more Trey as of late. I enjoy Trey more when everyone's healthy. I think that's what I've noticed in my notes is that like when the full cast of characters is there, like I'm really worried about DeAndre Hunter at this point. Like I'm really concerned this is it for him. Um, but the way Solomon Hill talks about him and I love Solomon Hill and I love this group that Trey doesn't like the way he's playing doesn't really bother me as much when it's a whole collection of guys with Bogey, with Herder, with Snell, with Collins, with Capella, especially with Capella. Like, I think I enjoyed Trey the most with Capella, and I think those two go hand in hand. And Capella, you can make the case, is the second most important Hawk this year, and he oh, yeah. keeps them afloat mm-hmm. and games in a lot of ways. So, I uh, I don't know. I think well, you also saw you also saw what happened on Tuesday when the whole yeah. cast of characters, as you said, I mean, they're all playing and they're all playing at a high level. Uh, they break an NBA record for threes in a quarter. And hey, I was there for that game. Unbelievable experience. Oh God, I want to go back. Yeah, no, that was good. Uh, it, walk us through the uh, the experience, because Max, have you been this season or no? Not not yet. I, no. I I can't wait to get there though. Okay, so walk us through it, Garrett. Like you were over here living your Lashawn McCoy courtside <laughs> two chains life. Uh, walk <laughs> us through your your situation this week no i actually so i mean 92.9 were the station of the hawks and uh they had some extra like t- t- tickets to the game so they just sent out a, like a station-wide email that just says hey who wants these tickets and no mm-hmm. one else was like and no one else p- poked their hand up so i was able to grab three additional or four total tickets and they put us up in this loft area where it's like all you can eat all you could drink everything was awesome it was perfect view of the court Man, it was it was probably like one of the most bougie experiences I've ever had at a basketball <laughs> arena. But oh my god, it was great! And then they just started pouring it on in the third quarter, and that, that was just even better. I had a lot of I could see some Pelicans fans. Everyone had Zion jerseys on. A lot of but, Zion I mean, jerseys. It was a lot of Zion jerseys. No, no other like players actually exist on on the New Orleans Pelicans, according mm. to <laughs> the opposing fans that were in the arena. But uh, I, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was a great game. And, I mean, it, it was really nice seeing fans in the stands again. That's just such a great feeling. Uh, hopefully I get to go to the Braves game uh, against the Marlins, hopefully. That's what is I'm it, hoping for. When is that? Uh, uh, Tuesday through Thursday, I believe. Okay. I wonder yeah. how it's going to look. Tickets are affordable. They're actually really – they're expensive this weekend. But uh, next going into next week, they, 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 they drop in price. Back to like a regular baseball game. I suspect the battery is going to be a mess this weekend. Just oh, it's going to be backed. Oh, it's going to be <laughs> yeah. backed. Oh, man. E- easy easy guess. <laughs> easy guess. Uh, the battery is not my scene. I don't know about you guys. I remember I went a couple of times. One of my favorite stories is a dude who, because, like, the battery for folks who are not familiar with the Atlanta area, um, where the Braves play is not Atlanta. Like, it's it's very far away. Like, it, it's just not. Nah. It's Kennesaw. Like, they're the Kennesaw Braves, essentially. No, 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 no. No, no it's, it's, it's oh, 285. Oh. 285 is the marker. Are you it really going to... 
Dude, it's it 285. Not 285. It's 285 is the border of Atlanta, and it is it is like 200 feet from 285. It's not it's not Kennesaw. It's just Cobb. It's just like South Cobb. Kennesaw is like 10 minutes from there, maybe with no traffic. Yeah. So is downtown Atlanta. Uh, downtown. I is just not drove 10 up there. No, no, Stadium. I just drove up there. If you're if you're on the highway 75 South, it'll take you. I, I live right on 14th Street. It takes me 10 minutes to get up there from my house. Not far. Mm. It's not that far. Mm. <laughs> Plus, okay. the battery is just beautiful. I love the battery. I'm I'm a big battery guy. The battery is just like I don't know. I remember I went because I lived in the Highlands and. The Highlands and Decatur and all that kind of stuff was more my speed and more my kind of deal. And I remember <laughs> we ran into this dude at um, this is story time now. This is how I, 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 I this is how I get back in the groove of the podcasting group after a week off with grad school stuff. So I couldn't do it. So I'm just uh, shaking the rest off here. Um, I remember <laughs> this guy, and it's like one of my favorite stories. Is I ran into from college at a bar in the Highlands. He's like, "Yeah, we're going to the battery. Just come on." And I was like, dude, I'm not paying for an Uber, like, surge pricing from the battery back to Atlanta. Like, are you out of your mind? Like, I'm not doing that. That's, like, 50 bucks. And he was like, no, I'll be fine. And I, he's like, I got you. And I'm like, okay, you got me. You got all of us because there's three more people coming. And he's like, yeah, dude, I got you. I'll get the Uber um, Hummer, like, the Uber XL, like, the biggest one. And I was like, all right, man, if you say so. And I'm like, I'm absolutely holding you to that. Like, you're absolutely calling this because there is no way. I'm doing this without it. So it's like a 30 minute car ride as Garrett just out of his mind with his. his <laughs> You're was coming a, it, from Highlands. <laughs> it was almost like an hour and a half. I think it was actually two and a half hours, two and a half hours from the Highlands <laughs> to the battery. I think it's the closest oh way. It, it's basically like the States. It's basically it's like, in Chattanooga. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, we got up there and all that kind of stuff. Two o'clock surge pricing hits and he's uh, quite hammered. And he calls it, and I'm like, all right, man. And he's like, yeah, dude, no problem. I was laughing so hard. He screenshotted a text the message uh, the next morning um, with the, the bill from the Uber that night. Because there's like eight Oof. of us getting back out of there into the Uber XL, back to the Highlands. It was $210. It's incredible. What? $210. It was really Holy shit. He's like, why'd you make me do that? And I'm like, this is why we don't drive from Atlanta to Statesboro to go hang out. Like, this is why we stay in our area. More of the story is the Braves don't play in Atlanta. This is true. Max and I agree. Garrett's almost there. We're working. Like, this will be something oh, we work on as the weeks go on. Garrett will eventually accept that they are the, the Cobb County Braves, the uh, the Kennesaw Braves, if you will, the Statesboro <laughs> Braves, the, the Milledgeville Braves. We'll call them See, Mil-Vegas. but the thing is, when you say that, it's like it's it's like with the Santa Clara, the, the, the uh, what is it, the Niners who play in Santa Clara and yes. not actually in San Francisco. But I mean, it's closer to that. That's like a 45-minute drive at least from like where most people live in San Francisco. From like the the actual border of San Francisco, this one it's like two hundred feet. No, two hundred. Two eighty five is well. I mean, if you want to say, if you want to say the Chattahoochee River is where you cross over into Cobb, mm-hmm. then I'd say not even a quarter mile. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Okay, there it is. So we agree. Not not Atlanta. So that's, that's <laughs> I just um, said you could throw a rock and hit it. Um, the Braves. They're driving me nuts. Um, we've been texting about it. Like we might be turning the corner a little bit. We get the home opener this weekend um, with the Phillies. Phillies have played above expectations to this point. It seems like um, needs Soroka back. What are y'all's early 
season impressions are have you hit the panic button on anything what are some notes and nuggets that you guys have about the braves through through uh half a uh, like what what do we i don't even know what to do the math on this like a couple games we'll just say a couple games six games six games in yeah i mean I'm, I'm i'm in no way shape or form panicking i mean the my biggest thing with this team is the it's a question for snit is, is why the hell aren't we batting freddie freeman in the two spot I mean, I don't want to overreact to what Ozzy's done early in the season. I mean, he well, what he hasn't done, rather. I mean, he's been playing quite poorly, actually, from behind the or from the plate. But, I mean, but you have an MVP in Freddie Freeman, and he won that MVP batting in the two spot. And I get that you don't have the designated hitter anymore, and it changes the way your lineup goes through, but there's things you can do with that to, to mitigate that. Uh, why don't you have Freddie Freeman batting in the two spot with Marcelo Zuna in the three? I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It, it blows my mind. I, I just don't get it. And I, I think it's too early to really switch it back because he did do this and he did set it up this way. But I really want to see Freddie Freeman in that two spot. I really do. I think Ozzy's solid in like the five, six hole. I think that would be great for him. But I don't know. I'm not I'm not hitting the panic button. I mean, the uh, the Baltimore Orioles were leading the AL East for a while, and I don't think that they're going to – and then I think the Red Sox are winning the, the, the division right now in the AL East. So I am in no way, shape, or form reacting to anything that I've seen. Not yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. I mean, the Braves are the best team in the NL East until proven otherwise. And they've won three straight division titles, and I, I firmly believe it's going to be a fourth. So – um, the biggest news I've seen so far, though, is Mike is Soroka. I mean, the inflammation in his shoulder. Hopefully, he comes back healthy. But fortunately for the Atlanta Braves, there's no rush for him to come back because the, the starting pitching has been fine. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been great. Like Freed doesn't doesn't look like a Cy Young candidate like he did last year necessarily. But again, he's only had two starts. Yeah, uh, and he's played two very good offensive teams. So I'm breathing, still breathing easy. Uh, if if, if Come back to me in a month, and if they're still playing like this, if they're – I mean, granted, we're still coming off of two wins, but in a month, they say we still have a, a record similar to what we have right now, then I might start getting kind of worried. Um, but yeah. it's not anything that the Braves won't be able to fix pretty quickly. Yeah. Max, what do you think? Um, that's, kind of, uh, that's where I am, too. We, I, it's hard for me to get readjusted, again, to the the pace um, and the pace of my thoughts for my 162-game season. It's so long. Like, it is so long. There's so much that goes on. I will say by by far and away, um, and Garrett hit the nail on the head here, the thing most ominous is, is Soroka. And when you – I mean, there are a few words more uh, more chilling than shoulder inflammation, um, especially this early in the season and what that all means. Um, but, yeah, I don't think there's a rush. I agree completely. The Braves are the most talented team in the NL East. Um, I think they'll win the division. The lineup will come around. I, I we, were t- we were joking in the text thread about uh, – about what's the manager's job, if not to just like shake up the lineup every day, just just to feel something a little bit. Um, I wouldn't mind that, but I'm also not like banging the table for it. Maybe like Garrett is. Um, well, not yet. You know, not yet. Well, not yet. So let things ride. Um, I think this team is is the most talented team in the NL East, if not, you know, besides the Dodgers in the entire NL. Um, and so let's 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 get some more sample size in this long ass season. Well, I think I think we waited about six weeks, or Snicker rather waited about six weeks into the season last year, or something. It was sometime mid-August that he actually made the switch and pushed Freddie permanently into that two spot, and that we could see something similar this year. Um, I don't think it's going to happen yet. Like I just don't, but because uh, I don't, I don't think he wants to mess with Ozzy's confidence. But I mean, the Atlanta Braves are a good team. 
there were, well, we're, don't have to do anything just yet. like they don't have to panic yet yeah. they don't have to no. they no. don't have to do any of this no. we like <laughs> we're not there um but i will say that there are things that are things to monitor it's just like the bottom of the lineup what do you do with pablo do you give him more opportunities like what do you do at third because <laughs> the bottom half of this lineup's bad like the bottom half is quite bad and ozzy just sticks out like a sore thumb at the top of the lineup where if that continues on for another month and a half then hey you've got to tinker with the lineup you got to make some adjustments um i do think not having a dh really hurts them i think that is something that they're going to have to work through and figure out um it also makes things complicated with their pipeline because like the drew water stuff there's no avenue for a lot of these guys um Indira and Ciarte as a pinch hitter is a nightmare like us not having a real great pinch hitter option outside of Pablo is kind of annoying and guys to stick in there because Indira is just mm-hmm. not helpful in that regard at <laughs> all um the bullpen is great I've seen some signed Shane Green I'm like have y'all seen his velocity like Shane Green's not uh not fixing the Braves bullpen um he's also not cheap no like that's that's not going to solve the problem so the bullpen is pretty concerning but like most teams have problematic bullpens. Like the Nationals won a World Series with a problematic bullpen. Like I think that's just it. Bullpens are hard. So when people, that was like one of the things I was always very nervous about when they were just like the Braves bullpen's great. Like that's the most volatile group in baseball. It's just like you can put together the best bullpen on paper and it can still just implode. Like it's so hard to figure this out and figure out the bullpens, especially now with uh, starters going less and just coming off a weird season and team's still not sure how long to pitch certain guys and how the Braves are going to be with Soroka and Freed and all these guys and like what we're going to do here I think it's just going to be complicated and they're going to have to figure it out as the season goes on the bright spot Acuna is still awesome like Acuna is just it doesn't yeah. matter like that dude is he's going to be fine Acuna being awesome is great uh Ozuna uh not off to the best start but I'm more concerned like when does it become like manager malpractice to have austin riley out as much as he is like at some point you got to pull the ripcord and i mean i've been out on this before i guess <laughs> both of you guys it's just the young thing it's like it, what point does the this guy was an awesome prospect just kind of wear off when do we start looking at these players as like they, there's enough um there's enough just data and there's enough stuff out there where we're like this is just probably who this person is. And Austin Riley's just probably like a platoon DH bat, like for the A's 10 years from now, where he'll hit 30 dingers and bat 180, like, and maybe have a nice little playoff run every now and then. But like, he's, he's not a star. He's not, he's not particularly helpful. He's just bad. And he drives me insane. And Pablo is a saint and should be protected at all times. <laughs> that is where I'm at right now. Well, I mean, Austin yeah, Riley, I think I'm a little, all right, go ahead, Max. I was going to say, count me out on uh, wanting to rely on Pablo Sandoval yeah. being a substantial part of a lineup for you know the rest of this year and being able to hold up. Well, this is why I was pushing know. the Chris Bryant and like going after somebody like them just walking in because I know you I don't want to mess with you. Riley's with confidence you. and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, he does not deserve this kind of like red carpet. Like here's third base, but, it's all but, you. But he, but, but he is 24. He's not 26. He's not 27. Like I'm not. I'm not ready to just sort of. Re- Define, like put him in a box and define like this. Oh, I put him in a box. Um, he's on Amazon. I've I know you shipped have. Him I can out. hear he's that. On the, he's <laughs> boarded up, boxed up. Yep, taped mm-hmm. in the mail. But he's also one of the one of the only guys to have consistently had hits in most every game this season. I mean, the majority of this lineup has, has been kind of struggling. Austin Riley has had. I mean, he's making contact with the ball at least. I mean, he's getting some good velo on on his hits. 
I mean, I think he's going to be fine. I think his OPS plus is like uh, 30, yeah, 33 right now. Negative 0.2 war, negative one last year. Can we at least get him to be a positive war player at some point? Is that coming? Yeah, but what's his, what's his exit velocity? That's, all, that's what matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't buy too far into um, the, the the exit velocity or whatever, but it's, it, it just means that he's getting good contact on the baseball. And I, 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 war is definitely the better of yeah. the, the two metrics. Um, and I think he's going to get the I, – I, I still believe in this kid. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm just banging my head against the wall. I mean, like, what's the definition of insanity? But, I mean – Look, I mean, I think he's, he's talented enough to give him the time. We're he's talented enough. The potential's there. Five hundred. That's a lot. That's a pretty good, healthy amount to just be like, okay, where are they at? And it's his OPS plus is below league average. It's pretty bad, eighty-two. And I just think about his OBP, and I think about, I don't know, man. He's a two-thirty career hitter. Eh, strikes out like he has one hundred sixty-four strikeouts and five hundred twenty-three appearances. Pretty bad. Like it. He's also had only he's only had one full season playing third yep. base. He's only had one full season. So I, I don't mean, think he'd bother me if he's a DH. Like if he was our permanent DH, he wouldn't bother me. It's just like I don't whatever. know why that would be any different. I mean, he's, he's it's not like he's a bad third baseman. He's pretty solid on the defensive end. Well, no, what I'm I mean, he's saying not is I'd rather but he's solid. solid there. Like there's a lot of talent, premier talent at third base and shortstop is what I'm saying. So like you can oh, move someone what over. So like if he slides into the DH role, you can go get a superstar to move over to third or move. Um, moves Dansby to third potentially or whatever like that you can just move him around like there's infield superstar to like move Austin Riley to a DH spot where like he that's just role and we have more star power in the infield like a Suarez or whoever yeah I mean I see I, I see your argument but at the same time it's I mean I don't I don't necessarily want to take his uh his glove off the field I mean he's still pretty solid on defense so yeah. I, I, I'm just not all the way off on him I, I I'm gonna give him at least another year at least another year. Like if he doesn't come out, I think this year he has to come out and prove himself. Uh, but I mean, if he if he's still at the end of the season, if like when we get to the postseason and he's still more of a liability than he is anything else. Like if he's not making, if he's not hitting dingers, uh, and he's hitting two twenty five or something, then I then I might be falling off the bandwagon at that point. But I mean, I I, I still see the potential of him being a two seventy five and thirty home run guy, and I. I don't know. I, I just I, I yeah. still see that in him, and I want that for him so bad. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm right in between you guys. I think I could. I could see getting to where Chase is. Um, and if you ask me in two, three months, and you know nothing's changed, I could. I could get there. But I think I'm more where Garrett is, where where it's like, um, maybe maybe at some point we know what he is, and it's you know two twenty, lot you know, couple couple a uh, couple dingers, you know whatever, but. Um, but I'm not willing to, to say that for certain right now. It's not for certain. It's just more like, here's where I'm at too, is I'm always like, when you strike gold in the young guys, like that's when I'm just like, okay, you hit on Acuna, you hit on Albies, you hit on, um, player X, like maybe Pache is the next one you hit on. And then we look at Soroka and Freed and like, it runs out. Like you don't hit on everybody. Like event like you can only hit on so many young guys and you already have your franchise superstar who's under contract. Like this is you're not gonna hit on everybody. And Dansby being a former number one overall pick, he's a good example of this. Like he's solid. Dansby's swat like he's he's solid. Um not a star. Will never be a star. Um he's fine. Riley, like the chances of him becoming a star, pretty slim. Because the Braves just creating that many stars, like Drew Waters becoming a star with the amount of just young guys in this team just most teams it doesn't happen like that like they just they don't 
it's not how it works. Like the major, it, it would be great because then it'd just be awesome all the time. All the young guys are great. No, so when you get a couple that are awesome, then you're like, okay, we have our young guys that are awesome. Now let's go spend a bunch of money on the vets who we just know who they are and we know what they're going to be. And I think you have to make hard decisions of like, okay, this guy's got to go because we can get this veteran who's also going to help the young guys because we have the young guys that we believe in. We have the vets who can supplement them. But if we have seven young guys who we all expect to be really good above average guys that we're all going to develop perfectly and then three vets that help us that never works that is something where it's just like that it's going to come crashing down because the vets or the young guys eventually will just fall apart and you're like oh suddenly they're 26 and not good and we wasted two years where we could have supplemented the acunas of the world with elite win now talent the donaldson's the the zunas guys like that when your window is really right now and you think your window is going to be a lot longer than it is and you never know like the Braves were just they should have been in the World Series last year like they were right there so I just think I am more of a sense of urgency person um, when it comes to mm-hmm. teams like this and I would just like to see the Braves operate more like that of like hey we got to get rid of the Colby Allards to go get um, more guys who can help Acuna and Freeman who might be gone in two years because of how the contract negotiations are going right now um with this franchise it's just like i i just i'm more nervous about where they'll be in a couple years because you just can't develop all these guys and you need to maximize this window and you can't maximize the window if you're running out dansby um riley pache and uh darno and maybe even just this version of albies for a full season like you can't win a world series like this so you just can't it's not enough offense well, you got to strike while the iron's hot, you know? Yes. I think that's what, really what you're getting at. I mean, this team should have been in the World Series last year, right. and it should be kicking itself for blowing it. They absolutely blew it, and I'm still extremely frustrated about that. And I think what, what you were saying, where you also have to pair some veteran talent with the, the youth, that's what we're doing with the rotation. I mean, this starting yeah. rotation, that is exactly what's happening. You have a you have two young guys or three young guys rather rather uh, that were brought up through the Atlanta Farm system who have potential to for all three of them to be high end mm-hmm. candidates, but of course you have two other spots and I mean we were kept trying it was just the revolving door of players at those positions. Oh God, last year was frustrating as hell to watch. But they go out and get Smiley. They go out and get Morton. Those are two guys who were very solid. I mean Morton is is a top end starter. He's an ace. And then you have Smiley, who's a, he's an elite five, yeah. uh, if not a four. So I think that's what they're doing on the rotation side. It's just so frustrating that as soon as we get that rotation started, then we lose the designated hitter. And then our bullpen starts falling apart. And oh, But that's it. That's baseball. It's baseball more so than any other sport because there is so many, there are so many finicky little pieces to a baseball team. And, and very rarely do you have most of them clicking. Last year, the Atlanta Braves did. And they just didn't finish the drill they didn't finish it and that's and that's one of the reasons why it's just so frustrating and like the, the kansas city royals a few years ago they struck while the iron was hot and they've been dog shit ever since but they have a world series ring and that's really all that matters i think their fans are completely fine with the fact that their team is winning 60 games a, a season but they're gonna be like, hey well i mean you remember that one one season we, we actually won a world series yeah, you get coming like to the- 10 years like it's just the whole thing is like even though like lamar jackson struggling in the playoffs right it's like who cares we won a super bowl like we, yeah. we it, like it's fine like we're we're good like yeah. you, you just get a long time like the eagles wins implodes great guess what Foles won us a super bowl and it was like one of the most all-time great moments like huh, it's whatever um you just want the one to give you uh some breather room and i just i don't know I, I i always get nervous about teams that think that their contention window is longer and they'll just get right back to where they well, were. see, I disagree with you there. It's just because well, like, I think this this Braves 
window is is just opening. I don't. I, like, I don't the Marlins think it's... are coming. The Marlins were a playoff team last year. The Marlins are coming. Like we have. The teams, Marlins like, are a good team. The Marlins are a fine team. The, but the Atlanta Braves are head and shoulders above them right now. Like, yeah. I, like the Marlins, I'm not concerned about the Marlins for another couple of years. That, well, what I'm I mean, also saying too, the Padres outspin us. The Padres have more talent. Like Tatis, that injury just sucks. Like I really God, like, I that. That. like that sucks. The Dodgers aren't going anywhere for another couple of years either. So like, what are you going for? Is my whole thing with the Braves. Like, what are you trying to be? Because like you know what the bar is, and you know that what you have right now is kind of a step back from last year, especially with no DH. So you're like, okay, what is the point of this? You have to dip your toes. You have to make a Nolan Arenado trade. You have to do something like that. You have to dip your toes in more, and you have to give up some precious prospect capital because that's what the fucking Nationals did, and they won a World <laughs> Series. They are number thirty in Keith Law's. Farm rankings right now. Guess what? Does it matter? They won a World Series. No one cares. Yeah, well, it, it, just bringing it back to Austin Riley real quick, because I, I love how that's where we started. But it's, it's also like when you, you know, we don't know how long a window lasts. I yeah. don't think anyone knows. And sometimes it can be much shorter than you think it will be. And so even if you have this whole plan that works, when you get as close as the Braves got last year, which is damn close, um, your, your goal in that offseason should be to shore up um, – you're unknowns, right? Yes. So Austin Riley's kind of an unknown. You know, he could be, he could be this, he could be, um, he could develop into a star. Maybe you think that's possible, um, but he's definitely an unknown. Mm. And, and it's like when you're that close, man. Like just like it, it's what Chase is saying. Like like you don't know how long that's going to last. And so if you can upgrade at a spot like that, or or at least make an unknown a known, like that's a huge huge thing. Like, Freeman could just um, fall that, off a they, cliff they, next year. Like, Freeman could absolutely yeah. get just fall off a cliff. And it's like, oh, he's Joey Votto now. Like, it just, it could happen like that. And then you're like, oh, there goes our window. That's it. Like, that's, it's gone. And we weren't prepared for it. And we didn't do everything we could before Freeman fell off. Wow, it got dark. I mean, it's yeah, not, see, but that's I don't reality. See that like, that's I don't a possibility. See that. I mean, like, you that, never know. I mean, it's the, it's the nature of sports, man. But that's the whole it's, point. It's you don't know. With the so, like, that's what, and Max I think and that's what the saying. Braves are doing, though, with this rotation. Because uh, like, the biggest unknown was the rotation. Last I think it's year. the offense. The offense last year was it was the second best off lineup no, no, in no, baseball last year. year. I think that's oh, our biggest okay. question. Well, right I'm now. not. I'm not ready to say that. I'm. I'm more looking at the the offense that we saw a much larger sample size that ranked number two in baseball with and was a, a, a hair a hair behind the Dodgers, who I'm also had DH. I. I mean. So it's like I think the biggest liability was the the pitching rotation, and that's what Anthopoulos went out and fixed. I'd yeah. say. I mean, we now have one of the stronger rotations in baseball. But that's why you have he to went from having one capital, starter, like Bryce <laughs> Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright are both not got like two key. Like they have to start moving some of these guys. They have like these guys eventually. Yeah, I think you're going to start seeing some of these moves a little bit. I mean. It gets it gets kind of crowded. It gets kind of crowded when everybody's a prospect and you can't keep looking forward to the next year. Where it's like, okay, well, once this person gets a little bit more time yeah. and has the development, and you can't just keep waiting for that. No, because I mean, you got to draw a line somewhere. Yeah. You have to say this is the year we're going to compete, and we have the talent to be up there with the Dodgers. We just don't have the pocketbook. And which is the most well, no, frustrating I, thing in the I don't world. think that's necessarily true because you can still do the win, like the Chris Bryant, like having one year left on his deal. Like there are the guys out there that you can take the last year or two of their deals who are veteran guys who could help you chase a ring this year. Those guys do exist all around baseball. Well, you just have to give up some prospect capital. And we saw what the returns were for these quote unquote smart teams. Like the Darvish trade, 
was not good. Like you look at some what it costs. Like the Nolan Arenado trade was a salary. Wait, Clevenger. Trade. Like yeah, look at this. Like Clevenger, you can go he do has it. Tommy John surgery seconds after he 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 uh, he throws his first pitches in in San Diego. I mean, so that's the thing. It's like it's sports, man. The sports, but I would rather the safe you do thing that. is to stick. With I would the rather you do that. But... I could live with that. Uh, it would suck. It'd be a gut punch. But I'm like, nope. You tried. I like AJ Preller tried, and the Padres have less money than the Braves, and they are going all in, and they are maximizing their win. They just signed two of the biggest contracts in Major League Baseball mm-hmm. history. So I don't know how you can say that. Manny Machado makes a king's ransom, mm-hmm. and then Fernando Tatis turns around and he's the doubles that seemingly. They could have done that uh, for Acuna. I mean, they chose not to. Acuna uh, signed a, tw- a 12-year deal for an affordable amount of money. Yes. I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm happy. I'm very happy. I'm not happy for Acuna. Like, I think that's one of those where I'm like, uh, it it actually bothers me. I'm thrilled me. for Acuna. He's, he's financially set for the rest of his life. Uh, he's fine. He's, he's going to be underpaid for his entire career, it seems like. His yeah, entire career. His second contract's going to be just fine. He'll have a couple 40-40 seasons under his belt by that point, so he'll be, he'll be in good shape. Uh, all right. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think he's hurting after after signing it. Like, I don't think he's hurting. I think he's underpaid, <laughs> and I think fine. the Braves fans who celebrated, I'm like, yeah, baseball no signing. I don't, I don't like it. No, doesn't sit right with me. No, I would I would renegotiate. Like that's the kind of person I would be like, Acuna, you're too amazing. I can't do this. I can't in good faith keep paying you this amount of money for how good you are to this franchise and how insane you are that you might be the next Mike Trout like we Bro, you're acting ridiculous. like they tricked him I mean they didn't trick him I mean he signed uh, the contract to be fair we're, we're talking about calculated risks here with everything right we're talking about calculated risks with um, who the Braves are going to get who they're going to go after who they're going to keep who they're going to roll the dice on and it, it's mm-hmm. not it wasn't not a calculated risk to sign um, however old he was uh, at that time Acuna to a 12 year deal um, like that that it seems in in hindsight like there was no risk to that, but like that wasn't a risk averse deal for the Braves. Um, and I know at the time, at the time, everyone was like, "Oh, that's way underpaid." But we're talking about how we never know with prospects, right? Like mm-hmm. if you sign that deal, um, and he's just you know uh, an Austin Riley level player, like you, that sets you back quite a while. Yeah. yeah. Last. No, thing I mean, we'll, there's oh, risk in everything. There are risks and everything. That's what we'll end on the Braves. Uh, the last thing on the Falcons. Um, Washington may unload all of their picks for Trey Lance. This is interesting. Like, we already know because Washington did this for RG3 years ago. And doing it again, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick's there. They're cleaning house. Got um, a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, I think. And Terry McLaurin is a really good young wideout. Um, I like Chase Young a lot. Obviously, that defense is just only SEC guys, it seems like. And then Chase Young, it's it's pretty pretty interesting. But I I have no idea. Mina Kimes tweeted about this, I think it was today, where it's like every move the Falcons make at number four is defensible, which is why they're so interesting. Like yeah. them taking a quarterback is defensible. Them taking pits at four mm-hmm. is defensible. Them trading back is defensible. There's no right answer. Like every other team, you're like, mm, no, you can't, you shouldn't do that. Or you like, you can make a cake, case against it. And for the Falcons, like, maybe that's what we've been saying for weeks now. It's just that, like, man, we could really do, like, Garrett's ideas, Max's ideas, my ideas, Will's ideas. Like, it it doesn't, I don't know. I just, I. You can defend all of them. You really can. And if sense. Washington all comes with sense. everything, I'm like, oh. Because <clears throat> where's Washington at right now? What pick do they have? You said they were the, they're seven and nine, seven and nine um, NFC East champion. 
Yeah, so like that kind of hurts because then you're getting nothing at the top half, and like you're really gonna. I don't That's know what fine. you're gonna do. Like maybe Micah Parsons by that point. They're um, treasure troves. Nine, nine, 19? No, Micah Parsons will be gone at least by. Greg Rousseau, maybe? He's top the 10 Miami edge guy? Well, the, the big thing with this pay. is you, you'd be picking up tons of capital. So it's not even the fact, I mean, like, look, you're going to find, you're going to find a difference maker at any, anywhere through the first round. I mean, like, that's just how the draft works. Uh, you're going to find plenty of talent just because you're picking in the top four doesn't guarantee anything. Um, but on top of that, that kind of a crapshoot just throughout the entire draft. So why not add that many more opportunities to roll the dice on a, on a prospect? Cause you'd be picking, you'd get picked 19, at least two picks. Um, like I'd say like, I think they have three in the second round or, or second and third round. You get at least two of those. You'd get two future first round picks uh, and then potentially more to second day selections for next year. I mean, look, that's an, on a team that's strapped for cash. That's a bunch of, that's a bunch of prospects that you're potentially jumping into affordable mm-hmm. at that. Well, it's also shaping up like that, that's probably not going to be the only deal on the table. If, if let's say, uh, Terry Spawn known code, like they decide they want to trade back, um, it really seems like that it's New England, Washington, and Denver at minimum who have interest in getting up there. And so, if you say, Hey, I really like a guy at nine, um, you can take few, less in future compensation to do that to get a nine mm-hmm. pick and to take whoever you want at nine. Or you can say, Washington, you're just sending us a boatload. Like, I'm fine getting back to 19 and just taking more shots at it, more shots at it, more shots at it. And that's why it's such a beautiful spot. If you mm-hmm. want to take a quarterback, if you like one of these quarterbacks, and you think that's the future, and you think keeping Matt Ryan would be sort of just like prolonging the neg- inevitable, do it. If you want um, perhaps a generational weapon in Kyle Pitts, he's sitting right there taking. Um, otherwise, you have a really, really good option to um, – you know, soft reset the talent on the roster. And that's ex- also extremely uh, exciting. And so I just don't, I go back and forth and I will continue to go back and forth about a million times between now and the draft between what I want them to do. But I don't, I just don't think I will come away from the draft um, feeling badly about it almost no matter what. Options I will only thing. feel bad. Sorry, Garrett. I, the only no. thing you'll feel bad about is if they take a skill position guy at number four in stand pad. That will actually piss me off because I'm like, no, you could have traded back so to five play. or six or like, no, you need to. If you're not taking a quarterback because of how good of a quarterback class this is, you need to sell high on that pick. Like you need to get a treasure trove of assets if you are not going to take Trey Lance or Justin Fields there. Like that is my one, I, one big thing. I think I agree with you, but also watching Kyle Pitts in his offense would be incredible. So it's like. In terms of like what the smart thing is to do, I, I agree. I think it's either trade back or quarterback. But also, how could I really be mad about watching Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts next year in Arthur Smith's offense? Oh, God. <laughs> I it's love just, that. It's just hard to be mad about that, you know? Oh, man, we would score so many points. We're going to score <laughs> a bunch so of points great. anyway. Like, that's the other thing, too. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, this is going to be a tough See, I'm not, I'm not sold on that per se, but I, I also don't think that's what we're going to do. Um, I mean, Kyle Pitts is a very enticing player. I don't think it happens. Najee Harris I, I, before. Najee Harris? I'm just joking. Oh, okay. I was like, bro, what are you talking Derek about? Derrick Henry, like, hey, let's just get our own Derrick Henry. Let's, uh, let's get If Derek we Henry. stand pat and draft Najee Harris at four, I... <laughs> bleh, 
No, I'm I'm boycotting the season if there's a running back. I'm holding the podcast. I'm 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 gonna call for Terry Fontenot to be fired at that point. I mean, dude, get out. (laughs) Fourth pick. No, I would lose my mind. Like you gotta establish the run early. If you establish the run early, then uh, that's how you get you you get some wins, and you can pass later. So here's what you do: you run on first and second down, and then you pass on third and eight, and that that is how you get cooking. That that's how you can't handle it. I can't handle it. Uh, I don't even. I don't even like joking about it. <laughs> but it's kind of. But it is one of the cool things for the Atlanta Falcons because I think you have. I mean, we're pretty much in. We have the first overall pick. I mean, essentially. Why can't you say that? Because you know, one or two, one and two are pretty much decided. And then three. I mean, you have uh, uh, Francisco 49ers, which I don't really know what they're doing, but they're not going anywhere. The highest I can't available. Even it. See, I, we talk I, about I'm not sold. Jones? That's what they're doing. I don't know I'm if needed, but Adam Schefter is, and, and he, he sure knows a whole lot more than I do. And yeah, that's it's like, true. And I was reading about that and, like, how Adam Schefter is close with uh, Mike Shanahan and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, who am I to doubt if he's saying he'd be he'd be stunned if it wasn't Mac Jones? In which, which case, like, I can't even – I can't fathom that. Well, once but, I saw well, that then Steve Sarkeesian said that uh, he got the most installs of any quarterback he's ever had uh, with Mac Jones this year. Uh, I was like, oh, this is it. Yeah. It's the the full galaxy brain Kyle Shanahan where it's like this dude could literally do whatever I want in my offense. He is like my program quarterback because he loves Kirk Cousins. Like this is a souped up Kirk Cousins and you're like, oh, this makes sense. Like this dude will do exactly every little bit that Kyle Shanahan wants to do. Like he will be Kyle Shanahan under center. See, I see – I really like Mac Jones. I actually do. I mean, I don't like him necessarily at three, uh, but if – he was going to be available in the second half of the first round. That's a guy who I would have been all aboard the Falcons drafting. All aboard. I would have loved that. I mean, I'm a big Mac Jones fan. Uh, I think he fits perfectly into what San Francisco wants to do. I don't get it at three because he'd be available later on in the first. Well, nothing matters if he's the guy. Like If, if he's, he's your guy, it doesn't matter if you him. trade it up for him or you take him at 18. It doesn't matter. Like It doesn't matter yeah. where the Chiefs took Mahomes. Like they, The point yeah, is they got my, him. If you get your quarterback, thing it doesn't that. matter. Yeah, that makes sense. The thing with, the I, thing I with Mac Jones though is if you're if you're trading up to three and you're giving you're giving up whatever you're giving up and like if I'm in the top five taking a quarterback like what is his if his ceiling is souped up Kirk Cousins like I'm I'm good like I'll I'll take my chances with Trey Lance I'll take my chance with Justin Fields like if I'm taking a guy in the top five especially he's got to have like the potential at least to one day be a top five quarterback in the NFL and like what is Mac Jones's path to that? Is he like could could he be Matt Ryan one day? Like is that sort of a see that's a more what I see him? in him. I see that well, more. You know, I see more of a Matt Ryan argument. than I do. Yeah, I mean, I think his floor is Kirk Cousins. I mean, I think he's going to be a very good quarterback. He's going to be at least a daily a, a starting quarterback, like a high, like a like a consistent guy. I think that's what I see in Mac Jones at, at his floor. His max ceiling. I don't see him necessarily being this playmaker like a Patrick Mahomes or a Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or any of these guys who can just do magic from the pocket like Aaron Rodgers I don't see that for him but at the same time which which I, I completely understand what you're saying with your drafting a guy in the top five he needs to be that for you because of everything that you give up to go get him but I, I can see this guy potentially being like a 4,500 yard guy who's going to elevate this team and bring bring them up into the playoffs that's what I see in him because that's what he did he did that at Alabama. Yeah, he had a lot of talent around him, but at the same time, all of these guys had a lot of talent around him. And Mac Jones goes to he he was the best performing Alabama quarterback of well ever. 
<laughs> so, I mean, it's it's it, there's something to be said there. I mean, he's he had a he was the quarterback of an of a record setting offense and who just absolutely decimated opposition. I mean, when they played Georgia and Mac Jones made us look like fools, just absolute fools with his arm. Then I was like, okay, this guy is for real. Like this guy is for real. I mean, he doesn't have the flash of of even the like Tua Tungavailoa, who was the quarterback before him. Like, of course, I'm down telling you guys who Tua Tungavailoa is. Well, I mean, also Devontae <laughs> Smith said, didn't he say that Mac Jones was better than Tua? He said yes. Mac was better. He yeah. won us. He won a Heisman Trophy with him. I mean, dude, I, I, I at some point you got to be okay. This guy is pretty damn good, and that's what I, I see, Mac Jones. I like him. Who Who's the last quarterback who came into the NFL? Uh, and we're a little bit off topic, but who's the last guy who came to the NFL without mobility skills or a high-end arm who was elite? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it, it might be Stafford. I don't know. Depends who Stafford's got a gun. Matt yeah, Jones does not have that kind of arm. He's not mobile. No, it's not. Uh, Matt Ryan. Andy I Dalton. see Matt Ryan in this guy. I would say Andy Dalton. It's Matt Ryan. It's... <laughs> Andy Dalton almost went to Super Bowl. Like, Andy Dalton, the year elite? he got hurt and you want to go with play. Elite? Jimmy G. Jimmy G went to a Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? He's elite. Derek Carr. I would say Andy Dalton had some elite years. Derek Carr is probably a good example, too. Yeah. He was like a first-round talent. Carr, I mean, the, he's the a Raiders solid player. Are, the Raiders are desperate to get off Derek Carr. They would get off him in a minute if they could. See, I, that's the I thing. Mean, I, I don't get well, that. Well, here's what that is. That is, we are in the same division as Patrick Mahomes for the rest of our lives, and Derek <laughs> Carr is not good enough to, un- to assert Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the point, though. Like, if if you're taking that swing at three, like take the swing. Like, like I don't know. That, that's just me. But I, you know, they know more about Mac Jones than I do. So I, you know, if he's no, the guy. I, no I respect. Cares, I respect right? that thought. I, no, I completely respect where you're coming from with it. I, I just, I, I see a little bit more out of that. I think the, I mean, look. I mean, if you have a quarterback who fits your offense, which I think Mac Jones will fit that offense very effectively, uh, then go get him. But also, anyone fits that offense. Who's been bad in Shanahan's offense? Yeah. Exactly. Eh, yeah, that's a good point. Exactly. I hear you. That's and, why and, I never and, understood and that, where they're like, we got to find somebody who fits. It's like, everyone's going to be great. Go get a freestyler who is good even when Shanahan's offense breaks down. Like, that's why the Watson stuff actually made so much sense before all that happened. Like, and that's another team. Like, Houston, what are they going to do? I, I just... Well, but the biggest thing is it's, yeah. it's a very complicated offense. But, and, and you yeah. see most of these guys, it takes them at least a year. Jimmy Garoppolo has been shockingly average in this offense i mean when you compare what he was able to do even just his well, short time in new england health. like his knee has just never been right it's been like yeah but when they now, went to the super good. bowl i mean i wouldn't say they went to the super bowl because of jimmy garoppolo when he's he very was, handsome when, though when Sh- <laughs> i won't disagree with you there but you know, when shanahan was here in atlanta i mean it took matt ryan a year to, to learn it but then year two the damn the guy was a, a damn mvp uh, he he took his team to the Super Bowl. They went to the Super Bowl because right. of Matt Ryan, because Matt Ryan understood the offense, and I think he thrived in it. That Mac Jones is just a very intelligent guy, very football smart, and I I love that for San Francisco. But but I, I think we got off topic too, because I mean, but the, the point yeah. is, it's like at pick number four, the Atlanta Falcons pretty much have everybody. You have Justin Fields and or Trey Lance, and somebody is going to want to trade up and go pay a king's ransom for that person. That could be Washington. It could be New England, like you said. Denver is another possibility. I, there are a lot of great options, and I just love this position that Atlanta's in. I don't think they can go wrong. Yeah, and and I think I'll settle on like eventually when I you know decide what I want them to do. I think I'll just settle <laughs> on like if, if you're in love with Trey Lance or Justin Fields, you can't not take them because you won't be in this position in the top five with this kind of QB class. 
um, to move on from Ryan, even if even if he's not the problem. But if you're not sold on either of those guys being a star, then you take the best offer, and that's also an incredible outcome. You know. Mm -hmm. You also just don't need like this idea that you have to just take a quarterback at five. Like I understand that Mahomes. Look at where Mahomes went. Look at where Wilson went. Look at where Rodgers went. Like the idea that you have to like land if. The point is, you get your guy. You evaluated correctly, and wherever that mm -hmm. guy landed, that's you still got your guy. Um, that is what I care more about than anything else. Is Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith identifying the right guy wherever that is? Like, is it number four? Is it second round? Is it the eighteenth pick by trading back? Like, I don't know. Is it? I, I just I care more about their eye for talent and whether or not they look at this correctly and their lens is hard and it's just a crapshoot it's hard i don't envy their position this sucks i, <laughs> and, I wouldn't want to do it and, and part it's, of the, it's a difficult part job the, part of the mystery here is that we have no idea what they want like we don't know anything about the way they evaluate talent or what kind of quarterbacks they want or you know how they perceive these the value of these picks yeah, so he could have hated Tannehill. Like, no, well, they're like no he did great with Tannehill. he could have hated it he could have been like i didn't have a choice yeah, <laughs> this is not what i want yeah, at all exactly we saw that last report, too, that just came out, I think, with uh, Adam Schefter, that what he was saying, where Terry Fontenot wants to go draft a quarterback. He wants Trey Lance. And then you have Arthur Smith, who thinks that Matt Ryan needs to be the guy for two years. I mean, th that makes sense because you have Arthur Smith, who right, he wants to win right now because he's a head coach, and that's his legacy. That's who he is in this league. Terry Fontenot has a, lo a longer leash than a head coach does. So I, it makes sense that he would want to go get a quarterback of the future to set up everything else down the road. But uh, see, but I, I do like the fact that Arthur Smith sees that in Matt Ryan. He still sees that this is a team that could win with Matt Ryan in, in a, at quarterback. And that is really what I think that that relationship, the growth of that relationship, I think is going to be the most interesting thing to watch more so in my opinion, than who we actually pick at four or what we do with the pick is, is to see how that happens. And because uh, that relationship, those guys need to be on the same page. As long as those two guys are on the same page with this pick or slash trade, whatever it ends up being, I'm happy. We'll leave it there. Yep. Um, all right, guys. Well, it's great to have Max back. Uh, Max, are we going to have the microphone next week? <laughs> next week. Next week. <laughs> you heard that, Garrett, right? <laughs> you heard that, right? I heard it. I heard him. <laughs> all right. We got people in the chamber because we have alternates now. We we have alternates, Max. We, wow, uh -oh. the threat. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, we have Damn. alternates. The seat, oh, uh, it's a it's a sought-after seat, I, I will tell you. For that guy down there, for that for those guys, I should say, rather, uh, Max Markovich and Garrett Chapman, thank you, as always, guys, for making the time to talk Atlanta sports as we do every single Friday afternoon. So go check out this very podcast wherever get your podcast and leave us a five-star rating and review it makes all of our weekends better i promise garrett he loves them he he checks it out all the time he's refreshing apple Podcasts, and he's like chase good news <laughs> got another five-star rating and i'm like garrett thank you for spending your friday night watching the hawks and checking our apple podcast like so <laughs> go keep up the great work there my friends and uh i will talk to you guys next week absolutely man and happy birthday yep, to you can't wait <laughs> All right, Rocky Top, let's rock. We're back, and it's been a few weeks, but there's so much Tennessee stuff. Ryan Shumpert of the UT Daily Beacon. Ryan, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm glad to be back on. I think last time 
I was on. I was driving to Indy to cover the Tennessee first round game against Oregon State. I predicted a eight to ten point win for Tennessee and yeah. said that it was a good matchup for Tennessee because Chris De Silva would be a good matchup to let Euros Classics play. And then Tennessee got beat by double digits and. Chris De Silva didn't miss a shot from the floor and was the game's leading scorer. So I look pretty stupid. Hopefully I'll, <laughs> hopefully I'll look better uh, this time in a couple of weeks when we look back. Uh, predictions are just not great. And also, I I felt indifferent about it where people were just so mad and like the, the Rick Barnes stuff. People get really, really upset. People get really, really upset about Rick Barnes. And um, we have a lot of Tennessee basketball stuff to, to cover today, Ryan, because... I mean, Tennessee obviously did not have the ending to the season that they wanted. Springer's gone. Keon's gone, as expected. Pons and Folky probably gone. Um, just an all-around just spring cleaning going on. The Tennessee basketball program, like, replacing coaches. He's already replaced one of his uh, incoming spots because ETSU hired away a coach. Um, Kim English, obviously gone. Um, what do you make of all the coaching changes in the portal? What, what stands out the most to you right now, Ryan? What stands out to most to me is that they're not, they don't seem to be as aggressive going after post players in the transfer portal. Coach Kim English leaving, not a surprise. Des Oliver leaving, maybe a little bit of surprise, not a shock. I mean, I think Barnes was kind of pushing for him to get a job, felt like he was ready for the opportunity and helped him out there. And I think that fit made a lot of sense at ETSU, especially with all the stuff that went on. Uh, they got Jason Shea fired. So, I think it'll be interesting to see how Desmond Oliver does there. but And then the fact that tr- how many players have transferred, I guess it's at four now, um, have entered the transfer portal. That we got Corey really Walker. We've got um, EJ Neski. EJ Neski. Yeah. Who else? Devontae Gaines and Drew Pember. Okay. Um, do any of those concern you or any of them surprise you? No concern. Maybe a little bit surprised about Anasiki just because – I don't think he was pushed out because mm-hmm. Tennessee, him being a, a fifth-year senior, they would have had that scholarship spot either way. But and I think he had said, or maybe Barnes had said earlier in the season, that he planned to come back next year. But I don't think, you know, I'm sure he came to the decision that he, he wanted to play more minutes than five, six minutes a game and certainly didn't work out for him at the SEC level, his translating with his size and skill set. So none of that really surprised me. But the fact that you've had – so many departures. Tennessee doesn't seem to be going super hard after a lot of big guys in the portal. I think they really want, really crave Walker Kessler, but I think that's going to be a really hard get, not to say Tennessee doesn't have a chance, but I, I think they're maybe a little bit on the outside looking in at Kentucky and Gonzaga. And besides that, there's a lot of you know names in the transfer portal bigs that Tennessee doesn't seem to be going super hard at. Now the Nafale Dante guy at Oregon, they have some ties there with Rod Clark coached him at Sunrise Christian. He hasn't entered the transfer portal yet, and the thought is that he will enter it. So I think that's a guy Tennessee has their eye on. And obviously they got Justin Powell at the guard spot. That filled a huge need. But that would be, you know, if what surprised me, what's interested me the more, most is that they haven't been quite as aggressive going after post players as I would have expected. That's good news, though, because the best we saw from Tennessee was when they had Josiah James at the four um and pond to the five and just kind of like going small and not doing the twin towers and uh, kind of modernizing this offense because that was what was so refreshing is just how clunky it could be at times and um just the lack of spacing and just how uh crowded and how difficult it was for this team to score in the half court it was just amazing to watch different teams in march madness and like oh i watched so much tennessee this year that you could just grow accustomed to 
a certain play style and then you watch like in Zagger, you watch Baylor, you watch and obviously there's a cream of the crop, but like a lot of the teams that were advancing and just how they were playing, it was just like watching a totally different game. And it was like one of those things where like I'm not I wouldn't say I'm like a staunch like Rick Barnes defender. I think he's fine. Um I just I, I do think it's like one of those things where like you have to adjust and you have to look at this. And I think Kyle Parry's doing that now. Um I was talking to uh, a guy from Sea Blue uh, last week and talking about how Calipari's having to maneuver and it just changed on a swivel for him and that like, oh, I got to get more shooting and I got to figure this out and we got to figure this out quickly. Um, I think Tennessee's kind of going through that a little bit. I'm kind of disappointed that we won't get Kennedy Chandler with Springer, Keon, just to see what that would have looked like. Um, but I totally understand because Springer and Keon are both going to be lottery guys. Um, I'm all in on uh, Justin Powell though the we need more shooting and it just the victor bailey stuff was always fun like when he was hot tennessee was just a much better basketball team and when he wasn't and just fading and getting some cardio in on the on the corners um tennessee suffered what do you make of justin powell and also the big 2021 commitment from france our new favorite uh quentin how do we say his last name debo how do we say it do you know uh, i do not know okay i've, I've just can we call him debo at this point I like Debo. That has a nice ring to it. Okay. I like that. Yeah, let's um, go with that. So what do we make of all that? I just threw a lot at you there. Yeah, no, I, I think the, the Justin Powell gets a huge get. I think that was probably the one of Tennessee's biggest targets at the guard position. And you look at what he's able to – he's just a really versatile from a guard. He's a good shooter, six six guy that can play the point a little bit, good passer. You know, I think there's some questions about – just a consistency. He only played eight games as a true freshman before suffering a concussion and being out for the rest of the season. But he was impressive in those games. He shined in the Memphis game and then the South Alabama game. I think he had 26 and 27 in those two games. Averaged just over 10 points a game, 44% from three, which is a number that stands out. But it seems like he's more than just a three-point shooter when you look at his game. He he brings more to the table. So I think that's a, that's a really good get for Tennessee and certainly uh, a guy that's going to make an instant impact and then when you look at uh, Quentin Debo as we're calling him now I think he you know people are gonna he's not Keon Johnson by any means but I think that's kind of I think he's four-year Keon Johnson he's not the same athlete but he's a really good strong athlete six 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 seven on the wings attack the basket he shot I think was the number was 42 percent from three last year as as graduate uh year at Monteverde Academy but I was only on like 38 attempts so Certainly a guy that's going to have to develop his shot a lot over a couple of years, but a high-level athlete who, who seems committed on the defensive end of the floor. So not sure how big of an impact he makes right away, but I think he's a guy over a couple of years can grow into a, a really nice piece for this Tennessee program. So do you think Dick Vitale is going to deal with uh, the transfer portal any better than he has in the last couple of weeks, or do you think that this is, uh, this is just too much? Is he walking away from college basketball? <laughs> I mean, it was so classic, Dick Vitale. To Did be, you see him this to morning? To not see this coming, I haven't seen. I have not seen this morning. I saw him last week. What was he saying this morning? Uh, the same thing. More the same. Just yeah. really, really angry, and it. Um, I <laughs> the one year thing, and he's just like, you got to get rid of the one year. Everybody should have to sit out, and it's like, well, no. Like the one year thing is long overdue, and his thing is like, unless your coach leaves, um, you should have to sit out for a year and i'm like eh, I, I don't know but here's his direct quote from three hours ago 
this transferring all over the place is going to destroy our great game. Okay. Um, not a thing. Um, nothing was destroyed. No. Uh, March Madness. No, like it, no it's not going to affect the ratings one little bit. Um, March Madness will not be affected. If anything, it'll be helped because more players will go to places where they can play and do well. Um, the NCAA should think twice before officially making it that players can transfer without sitting one year. The chaos, all caps, going on is sickening, all caps. Only should allow players to transfer without sitting when a coach leaves. Um, no. I it we just forget that this is just all college and like I transferred schools. Um I know what it's like and you're just like, "Ah, no, you're not paid. You can go wherever you want to go." Um these coaches don't care. These ADs don't care. These <laughs> students don't care. Alumni don't care about your well-being. No one does. You got to look out for yourself. Your family does. Look out for you. And if you want to go and you're just like, "Hey, I want to go play at Oregon State now." You should be able to go play at Oregon State. You should not have to, like, this whole thing of, like, you committed to us, so that's a thing. It's like, well, it, it, it's it's hollow to me. All of that rings hollow because that it's not reciprocated um, from the administration side or the coaching side or anything like that. Like, Chris Beard just left Texas Tech for Texas. Like, it just – it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, none of this stuff. Like, it, it it's just insane. And, like, the overreaction. And, you know, all of it is – the only thing I don't like about it is – it's really, really hard to keep up with who's on who now. Like, that's the only thing from a professional yeah. level. Like, that is that drives me nuts. Like, I'm for it, but I'm like, oh, shit. Is he, where is he now? Like, what? I have to look at the portal and look to see where people are. So, it makes my job harder. I will say that. Maybe that's part of it for Dick Vitale. He's like, I don't want to keep up with where all these, where's Matt <laughs> McClung this year? I don't want to have to, co- just to keep up with this. Um, I don't know. Like, he said uh, 48 minutes ago, transfer portal totally out of control. Q's. Uh, why did he tag women's basketball? I don't think he meant to do that. Q's, uh, I guess he means men's basketball, has 10 players enter portal today. Jack Nunge, Iowa to Xavier. Camara from UGA to Dayton. Malik Curry from ODU to WVA. It is nonstop daily. This is now totally absurd. Um, you can go wherever you want. Uh, no one's going to know. Like, it's not going to, like, I don't think Kamara going from UGA to Dayton is going to flip. Uh, the school on its axis, uh, UGA was going to be bad at basketball next year with or without Kamara. Uh, none of this matters. Stop. What What are we doing? Why, why is this the thing? Am I crazy for just being like, ah, this is part of, like, this is called progress and it's going to be uncomfortable for a little bit. I also just think we're going to reach a point where players are going to see, oh, shit, this doesn't work like this and this might be a problem bouncing around and I can't get my, like, it's going to correct. Like, everything always corrects back yes, to the middle. exactly. Exactly. It, every like I said, everything's going to correct, and it's the fact it's not just free, you know, ran transfer. It's one time free transfer. So right now, you know, no one, you know, no one's had their free transfer, so they have it. In two years, all these guys that have transferred as freshmen have already had their free transfer. So like you said, people are going to realize that grass isn't always greener, and then it's going to balance out na- naturally because of that. And then, you know, he's. I, get the vibe that he's going after the kids with it that it's their fault but half these players aren't transferring because they want to transfer i mean a lot of these tennessee players and sec players are told they need to transfer that that's their choice because they don't think coaches don't think they're good enough to play at the level so it's a two-way street to act like it's just the players taking advantage of it you know like you mentioned the fact coaches leave all the time no punishment coaches want half these players to leave so that's just a, a ridiculous statement and concept that dick Vitale has and like you said, maybe he's he's just concerned about 
trying to follow it all, and it certainly is difficult. But like you said, it's going to balance out over time. And overall, I think it's going to be not only good for the players, which is long overdue, I think it's going to be good for the game too. Yeah. I. It's just you have such a small window to make it all work and the pressure on these kids to be like, oh, if I choose the wrong program or I thought I made a right choice at when I was a junior in high school and it turns out I made a bad one, like they should be able to fix it. Like they have a small window and they got to make it work. Like you got to, I don't know. I just, I think it's silly. I, the amount of pressure on them to find the right program that will give them the opportunity to succeed that they need. It's just, it's hard and you can only do your best and do what you think is best for you during this very, very limited window of opportunity for you. It's such a small portion of your life that like, I, 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 I get it. Um, Tennessee football. I was walking around campus yesterday with my uncle and uh, doing homework at Aries Hall and all that kind of stuff, and um, heard them heard the noise, Ryan. The the, yeah. the sounds are back, and it was nice to just hear the stadium blasting, and practice is back. I think they're doing an open practice pretty soon, and this uh, orange and white game is the twenty fourth. I want to say. Um, they're getting back into it. Uh, the new coaching staff has been very adamant about, especially on the offensive side of things, of it's not about installing a bunch of stuff. It's about these guys just building confidence, which was really sad. When I read these quotes, they're just it sounds like these dudes just all came back from like the most depressing, horrible, like they got back from war, like just a losing war where it's just, they're all just like these just destroyed individuals mentally. And we got to, jog them back to humanity i'm like no you're actually great you're good you're gonna be okay like that's how these quotes read to me when i read them every day and i'm just like oh man they just like losing in the second half the way they did week after week and just the kind of season and covid and everything like these kids mentally have just been destroyed and they're having to build it back up like they're just like focusing on positivity which I mean, at some point we got to move on from like, hey, here's a nice little throw. Here's a nice little throw. We got to start putting some installs in, which I'm sure they're doing. But I don't know. Did you read that too? Like when you're reading Heupel or Golish or anybody, you're like, oh God, these dudes, they're just focusing on like getting these guys happy again. Yeah, and I think that is true. I think there's been a, a big emphasis on trying to make things fun, you know, for the players again. And I think that's what, and this isn't Jeremy Pruitt's fault, but last year, you had things going downhill and with the COVID stuff, it was go to the facility, do what you need to do, stay away from people, go back to your dorm room, stay in your dorm room. There wasn't, you know, the camaraderie, the normal team building stuff. So I think you've seen a particular emphasis on that and an emphasis on being positive. And some of the stuff, some of the quotes from Heupel and Golish and all the coaches, I think is, you know, kind of trying to be positive for the fans too, as much as the players, because this is a fan base that has obviously been, beaten down pretty badly over the past decade and even worse over the past few months. Things really seem to be at an all-time low with the fact that the program, the team went 3-7 and seven last year and then was cheating enough to have to fire the coach and bring in a huge NCAA investigation. And obviously they don't have a single commit yet in the 22-22 class, which some of that goes in with the potential sanctions coming. So I think there is a, a – trying to sell the program a little bit sell the team sell positivity things aren't maybe as bad as they seem which i don't know things very well may be as as bad as they seem but i agree with you it's it certainly seems like there's been a a big emphasis to keep things positive i think both from like there's building confidence back up and with the fans trying to keep people engaged 
Yeah. Um, it certainly seems like they're not going to name a starter, but it's a three-guy race. Salter has been suspended, but it seems like... Has he been reinstated yet? Because I thought that was supposed to come down the pike at some point this week because his case was dismissed. Is he officially reinstated or no? Not officially reinstated. No. Had his uh, Went through student conduct this week, so I would expect that that would happen next week. He seems to be a little bit ahead of those three other guys that were involved in the situation, but hasn't been back yet, but I would expect he will be soon. Um. Yeah, oh, that, that'd be great. But it seems like he is not going to be playing uh, this fall. Like, this is not going to happen. And it certainly seems like Bailey is the leader in the clubhouse right now, right? Like, it, they're not going to reveal it, but um, it seems like they're going to give everything possible for Bailey to be the one to to be under center in week one. But um, if I had to bet right now, I you know me. I was like, oh, Hendon Hooker, this makes sense. Like the running stuff, like they're gonna do this and just uh, try and get through this year with the new install and all this kind of stuff. And now I'm like, mm. Brian Maurer reading the quotes and they're like, he looks the healthiest he's been in a long time. And obviously there's a connection in Florida and like them recruiting him years ago. Now I'm like, oh, do we need to prepare ourselves for Brian Maurer week one? Um, I don't know. I go back and forth on it. I, I just uh, I don't know. We'll see. And then you have Jimmy Callaway who was a quarterback um it's it's amazing that the quarterback or the receiver room at ut now is just cody burns who started at auburn as a quarterback and then became a receiver and now he's coaching a bunch of former quarterbacks as receivers with callaway holiday and all those guys so um it seems like we're just going to be a speed 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 offense where we're just getting guys in space we're gonna utilize like buy all the jalen hyatt stock you can right now and uh, maybe buy some uh, callaway stock right yeah it seems the speed team, I actually absolutely agree with. It seems like Hyatt and then uh, Velas Jones are kind of locked yeah. in as they're one and two right now at receiver, and you know that's what those guys do. They run, they run well, and that's what they want to do in this offense. You look at what Heifel's done in the past; it's about throwing the ball down the sidelines vertically, and then it, that's you know the buzz you hear from other guys. You know who's going to be the three or the four? It does seem to be the Jimmys, Jimmy Callaway and Holiday, and especially Jimmy Holiday. That's the buzz with him is those guys can run. That's what they do well. So. That definitely seems to, to be where it, it's headed on the perimeter. And then at quarterback, it's it really seems to me like those three guys are all pretty even-ish right now. It's hard to get a feel for. You know, they're not tipping their hand too much. But Brian Maurer does seem to definitely be in heavy in the thick of things of competing for that starting job. And, you know, we talked about it. I think it was the first time we ever I ever came on your podcast yeah. last summer. We were both high on his potential. and. I don't. The, the Jim Shaney offense was probably about as bad as a fit for Brian yes. Maurer as it could be, and I, you know, there's still certainly questions. And it's not that this about is simple, he, but it's just it's about playing to your strengths. Like he, they talked about when they got hired, just like we're going to work with what we got. And Jim Cheney's like, no, 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 you're working for what I do, and here's a billion things to memorize and do. It's like Brian Maurer is he, like you said, the exact opposite of yeah. that kind of guy. He is a freelancer, and that's more of what you can do in Heupel's offense. Exactly, and he does have that running element too, which is that's just still why I'm questionable on Harrison Bailey. Is I'm not that I think the offensive line is going to be horrible. I think you know they're probably ahead of a, a handful of position groups on this team, but it's not going to be a great offensive line. And pass blocking certainly wasn't the strength of it a year ago, and I wouldn't expect it to be the strength this season. So I just I really don't see, or you know maybe that's over the top, but I have a hard time seeing a guy that's as immobile as Harrison Bailey being the starter and. Brian Mauer doesn't run it quite as well as Hendon Hooker does, but he's certainly effective on his feet. And, you know, I shouldn't say this, but from the entertainment standpoint, I almost want Brian Mauer to be the quarterback. I mean, he's 
I don't know. Well, if he does be both, good. right? Like Man, he's, he's theoretically the perfect blend, right, between Bailey who can't move and Hendon Hooker who can't really go downfield with any accuracy. Like it's actually the he's the perfect middle ground, right? Of I can move outside the pocket, I can play behind a bad offensive line, and I can actually spin it a little bit and spin it better than uh, Hendon Hooker. Like it's he's kind of like the perfect blend for a year. Yeah, completely agree. And his like you said, his arm talent was. I think he has the best you know, downfield ball of any of the three quarterbacks, which seems to, again, fit what they want to do well. He is confident. He throws it with good zip, and he just has a little more on it than Bailey does. And like you said, when you add that to all the factors, obviously Heupel knew him going in, was aware of what he does well, liked his game. It, it makes a lot of sense. Now. That doesn't mean he's going to be starting week one next year by any means, but from a guy that was – you know, seemed to be a surefire transfer back in November. It's uh, it's been a pretty cool turnaround for Mauer. What uh, what do you think about the linebackers? Are you going to play linebacker this fall? Am I playing linebacker? Who's playing linebacker? Or which one of us is I, suiting I, up? I think it's going to be both of us. Okay. You know, I think it's going to be us two in the middle. I actually, that's it's funny you said that. I made that exact same. I had dinner with my grandparents this week in Knoxville, and I made that same joke to my my grandma. I said I'm actually going to be walking on the football team playing inside <laughs> linebacker for him next year. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, Jeremy Banks is the one guy that they really have that has played any at all. And he's really the one guy that they have hardly at the position at all. And he's been banged up this spring. And it's, I mean, it's crazy. You go down the line, Kavars Crouch, Henry Tomatoa transfer, JJ Peterson transfer, Martavius French and Aaron Willis suspended early in the spring. Now I think they're going to have those guys back. And then now, uh, Beasley suspended and, you know, they said, Hypel said they're going to wait till all the details come out there. But with the details that I've seen on that situation, I have a hard time imagining he's going to be back on the team. So uh, remarkably thin there. And I, I think it was pretty telling I, in the media availability a few weeks ago when Tim Banks said that, um, I'm going blank on his name, the freshman long snapper they had last year. Um, oh, I saw this. Year. Yeah, what is his name? Because uh, he actually played. He was actually a good high school linebacker. I was reading up. So yeah. It wasn't like he'd never played linebacker before, but he has the he's a walk on long snapper. But what is his name? That's gonna drive me nuts. Uh, it doesn't matter. Walk on uh, long snapper. What is yeah. his name? That's gonna drive me nuts. Uh, where is he? Will Albright. Will Albright. There we go. Yeah. Which sounds like um, a long snapper walk on name. Will Albright is absolutely a walk on name. Yeah, and uh, so when it was early in camp, and that was even before the Aaron Beasley thing, that you know he was working at linebacker to help build depth. That was, you know, like you said, he he was a good linebacker at a lower classification in uh, Tennessee high school football. So it's not completely out of the blue, but that's pretty telling about where Tennessee's at at the inside linebacker position right now. Yeah. All right, last thing, and we'll wrap up here today. Um, this weekend, Tennessee, Florida tickets are outrageous. Uh, as we were talking about before we got started, um, what do we think about the balls going into this weekend with the Gators? Yeah, I think it's it's a really even series. I Obviously, Tennessee's ranked higher than Florida is, but Florida was the preseason number one team. And besides, they got swept at South Carolina two weeks ago. They've been really solid in SEC play. Swept Texas A&M, one, two out of three over uh, Ole Miss team that's probably as good as anybody in the country behind Vanderbilt. So a really good challenge, a really – exciting weekend and i think it's for tennessee it's about getting the starting pitching back uh, in a groove after 
both Chad Dallas and Blade Tidwell struggled a little bit last weekend. So get those guys going deeper in the games. And then for Tennessee's offense, it's going to be about getting the timely hits. They, they're not going to overpower you. They're not an explosive offense, but they're really good at getting on base, working competitive at bats, getting in teams' bullpens. So when they do get in those opportunities, they do load the bases, have runners in scoring position. They have to be a little more uh, clutch, get a little more timely hitting, and uh, possibly blow things open, take advantage of those opportunities against against really good pitchers uh, for Florida and then looking a little bit ahead, especially next weekend when Vanderbilt comes to town. Yeah, um, I think tickets are going to be pretty crazy for that too. Uh, something tells me the Vandy boys coming will not make <laughs> things a little bit easier. Um, all right, Ryan, what can we check out from you this weekend at uh, VolQuest or at uh, the UT Daily Beacon? Yeah, so Daily Beacon had a uh, football article this week kind of breaking down the running back room, which is one of the spots that Tennessee did have a lot of turnover this offseason. But I think there are, are some talent there and there's potentially some depth there. So a more positive, uh, better better situation than the linebacker room. And then at VolQuest had an article this week breaking down the new NCAA tournament uh, format this year. They're coming out with the 16 regional host and eight super regional host on May 10th, which is three weeks before the normal selection Monday. So how does that affect things overall? How does that affect Tennessee's chances to host a regional for the first time since 2005? And then keep you covered on the general's quarter all, all weekend with uh, live updates and then stuff uh, post game from all three games. And then on Monday we'll have the three, two, one coming down, recapping the weekend and then starting to look forward to another uh, huge matchup next weekend with Vanderbilt. Thank you. Uh, all right, well, go check all that out. Ryan, stay uh, safe out there. Enjoy this beautiful, um, beautiful day in uh, like Knoxville, Tennessee, and I will as well. Um, we'll be back next week. It would be great. Um, it helps the show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, excited. Uh, we'll talk a little more. Hopefully we'll have a little more figured out on the basketball front and then another exciting uh, baseball weekend to talk about. Absolutely. It helps the show keep the lights on, so that would be a great help to me as well. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas. You could go to ChaseThomasPodcast.com, which has all of my stuff, all my episodes ever, um, links to everything that you need, um, and all of my writing that uh, I'm doing fairly often these days um, on the NFL, on NBA, on college football, on pro wrestling. I write about everything. I write a lot. Um, so go read me on that front. So if you're not tired of listening to me, you can also read me. Um, so that's awesome. But uh I think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode. Uh, I hope you continue listening. That would be great. And uh, I will talk to you all again very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.